0: Okie dokie. What's up, guys? Welcome back again. Number seven here. Back in Bone Show. Uh, this one is a bit of a doozy. This was uh, day one back from the Santa Cruz vacation. We got like a little bit of a before and after contrast for you guys <laughs> to that effect. And you can hear it in my voice. I am shot out. It was rough. Um, so... You know, uh, I think we got some good content on this one. We talked about some uh, some old Nickelodeon game shows that we wanted to be on. Uh, a good breakdown of the movie Troll 2, a classic, one of the uh, greatest, worst movies of all time. Um, steroids. 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 Uh plus and minuses involved with uh, testosterone replacement therapy and what the new USADA rules really, uh, how that really affects the careers of people, good and bad. But uh, tune in, take it slow, take it easy, and enjoy the show. (laughs)
1: your bad
0: feelings good feelings. it's a nightmare <laughs> an <easy>. uzi <laughs> i'm not from south central Los Fucking Angeles. i didn't come here to shoot 20 black 10 year olds in a
1: fucking drive-by i want a normal gun for a normal person
0: whatever you're reaching for better be a sandwich because you're gonna have to eat it you thought he was white before you should see that fucking now. I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand.
1: So, another day in the office for the Back and Bone show. We just got done fiddling around with the mics and uh, figuring out just what the problem is with them. But today they're working. Indeed. Welcome to the show.
2: How's everybody doing out there? How's your morning going? We're here in the morning.
1: It's morning for us. I don't know what it is for you. You could be listening to this any time of day.
2: It might We might be a little low energy today, but we're going to try to pump the volume up for you guys. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I just got, uh, just got back from a big family vacation in uh, Santa Cruz, and for those of you who don't know my family, I'm, like, the tamest one, so mm-hmm. going on a family vacation with them is like touring with a rock band or something <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's there's like the, uh, cocaine and hookers. And, it's like the Motley
2: know, Crew 1984 Yeah, exactly. Tour.
1: Like, there's somebody drinking heroin out of a fire hose in the corner. And <laughs>
2: it's like, a, yeah. you know that scene, that really funny scene in Wet Hot American Summer where they take a trip into town? What happened that? on that scene? I don't remember. They, there's a scene where they're like, hey, we're going to go, we're going to take a ride into town. They're like, can we hitch a ride with you? She's like, oh, all right. And then they go into town and they just like, They end up buying, they start off by buying weed Mm. and then they like buy some coke and then they do heroin (laughs) and then it's playing that journey song in the background. The one where it's like, um, I'm pretty sure that's what's playing the song where it's like, uh, it sounds like a, how does that song go? I can't believe I'm forgetting this. It sounds like a car commercial.
1: Oh, any way you want it? Yeah, Yeah. I think that's playing in the background. Is there? That definitely sounds like a car commercial, that song. It's like a really funny. Scene. <clears throat> Do you want a, really a uh, taller table for your mic? Because no, it I'm looks fine. like you got a little distance from it. Yeah, I'm fine. All right. Did you ever watch the uh, the show or just the movie?
2: Uh, I watched both shows, both? so I've seen. Yeah, I yeah, seen the, them all.
1: Yeah, when they they had the the new season come yeah. out, like yeah, it was great. Like, it, was it was pretty funny. funny. Yeah.
2: Wet Hot American Summer. I think for well, I think back when the first one came out in two thousand one, it was very. Uh, I remember it was like panned at the time. Like critics hated it. Well,
1: it was very edgy. It was a very like it. I th-
2: I just don't think that style of humor had even like been developed mm-hmm. yet. Like that was a new style of humor. Yeah, but
1: everyone on it was so fucking funny. Yeah, no, that right? whole show is so 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 funny. <laughs> Paul
2: Rudd's character I think is the funniest. Yeah, me.
1: where he's like the uh, he's like the bad boy. Guy. Yeah, he's like God. <laughs> there's like
2: there's one line in that movie that I love, where like he's making out with his girlfriend, and then she's like, um, she's asking him about something, and she's like, "Hey, are you, are you?" She's she's asking him like, "Hey, you're supposed to be there, right?" And he's like, "What? Whatever. Fuck you." Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> it's goes, about hey, something she, totally like innocuous. <laughs> she's just like, yeah. "Aren't you
0: gonna go take care of this?" And he's all
1: what? Fuck you All right. Yeah. And then he like
2: Kisses her And he's like Hey JJ Save me a waffle man <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I don't know why I thought that line Was so funny Yeah um, But um, yeah Even when they came back And did it For the, the TV series It was I thought it was really funny How they had the TV series Take place like 10 years before It was a prequel But they all mm-hmm. looked Like super old Well yeah They played all <laughs> the
1: same characters They looked younger And then they did like but they just put like wigs and shit on them. But they yeah. all had these like over forty bodies and stuff. Because yeah, you could see and... them and they're dressed in the so, tight like seventies clothes yeah. and shit. Some of like, them
2: aged very poorly. <clears throat> Some of them aged really good though. The one, what's his name? The guy, he's like the main character in the show. He has longer hair. He aged really bad because he gained like a bunch of weight.
1: Oh yeah and yeah I remember
2: when I first saw it I was like, and he
1: he looked super old like his yeah. face kind of like curled in on itself <laughs> yeah he like, looked like a 50 year old man mm-hmm. he's and
2: he's the guy who but, like I think he wrote that show he like mm. created that whole thing.
1: But he looked so funny. Like, it made it so that's perfect. That's what I was going to say, actually. So,
2: the first episode in, I was like, oh, come on, man. You can lose some weight for the show. Like, at least try to. But then I realized, I was like, no, that's the point. Like, yeah, it's hilarious. It's so much, much horrible. <laughs> like, he looks nothing like a teenager.
1: Like, Paul Rudd looked exactly the same. Yeah, Paul Rudd just looked not it. age. Yeah, he just looked like the same kid that he was on the movie with. Well, uh, Paul
2: Rudd was one of those guys who back in the 90s when he was starring in movies like when he was in clueless and halloween mm-hmm. and he he looked very young for his age even then when he was in his 20s when he was in his 20s he looked like a teenager yeah so like he just kind of reverse ages i feel like
1: right he just keeps getting younger he's like no matter what he does now.
2: so he's like 50 now but he looks like he yeah. could pass for like mid thirties. yeah he
1: could pass for mid-30s for sure like yeah Maybe it's just the movie makeup. I don't know. I've never seen him in person. No, so. I, no I
2: don't think... Well, that's true. You're right. Yeah, because sometimes you'll see people in person and they don't look anything.
1: Well, like, I, to be honest, most of the time when you see someone who's on TV in person, they aren't really that special looking. Like no. there's, uh, My cousin described it when she was like... She, she saw Jennifer Lopez in person. And yeah. she was like she was such a tremendously beautiful person that she, like, fucking glowed. Like, there was no way that she was not going to be a celebrity just right. by looking at her. Then right. there's, like, a lot of people that you run into and you're just like, whew. Keep it in front of a camera. <laughs> Keep the makeup yeah, on. Well, you, do and, have like, those,
2: you do have those, um... What do you, you know, Hollywood, like, marvels. Like, those those. there are those rare cases where, yeah, just exactly what you said. They're, like, too pretty not to be a star. Like... Like a Jennifer Lopez or, like, Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. You know, Halle Berry is, like, in her 50s now. She looks great. Like, she's... Yeah. You know, you do have someone like she's that. She's just as
1: tight as ever. <laughs> <laughs> John Stamos. The John Stamos. as tight as ever. <laughs> Mario Lopez, still a six-pack. Yeah, on dude, that guy. Mario <laughs> Lopez, man. Speaking of aging good, yeah, yeah he looks fucking awesome. He, he looks exactly like he did in in the early 90s, like... Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like, it I, really I literally don't think he's aged a day. Or he's got the best makeup artist in the business.
2: No, I think it's, <laughs> he, I think he just ages really good. He's yeah. got that, like, olive tone well, skin and you know it what it is?
1: It's that, uh, that whole Latin thing. Like, there's yeah. something about them, like, the, the really beautiful Latin people never get old. It's like their yeah. superpower.
2: No, it's true. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the Latin and then the lighter skinned black people. hmm so Halle Berry, Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Lenny Kravitz, Lenny Kravitz, man, Lenny Kravitz—it's like almost sixty, I think. Yeah, he looks exactly and he would the same. Never guess it. I'm gonna Google. <laughs> the, I'm gonna fact check that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Lenny Kravitz is pushing sixty. Yeah,
1: Lenny Kravitz is getting pretty old, but
2: but he looks awesome. Yeah, he looks great. Um, and well, his wife, <clears> the woman who he was married to, Lisa Bonet. She kind of yeah. has a similar skin tone, and the daughter
1: Lisa, looks really good. Lisa Bonet, she's married to uh, Jason Momoa Jason now. Jason Momoa, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Lenny Kravitz is 53. Lisa this Bo- fucking guy
2: what? looks like... He doesn't even have a wrinkle on his fucking forehead. This guy <laughs> what is he? He's 53, head. you said? He's 53.
1: Not a wrinkle. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's very impressive. Wow.
2: Um. So what Yeah Lisa Bonet She's Yeah look at this picture of him This yeah. is from 2013 So this is only five years ago
1: Jesus Christ It's insane but, I mean yeah We all saw him on Hunger Games Not that I'm proud to admit I watched that <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: Um. So yeah She's married to Jason Momoa
1: Yeah I read a little Yeah I read a little, like, uh, People News thing where he was just like, I knew from the first time I saw the Cosby show that someday I'd marry Lisa (laughs) Bonet. No
2: way. That's crazy. Can you imagine? What a weird feeling that must be to uh...
1: actually achieve celebrity status and be able to marry someone. Of course, that's what Ashton Kutcher was doing with um, with Demi Moore, Moore because, I mean, it's not like she aged well yeah
2: no. <laughs> and you know what's weird too Well, she had a weird like resurgence because she was in that Charlie's Angels sequel mm-hmm. and like nobody had heard from her for a while but then she did that movie and people were she had that bikini scene and people are like, dang Demi Moore looks really good, but then from there it was all downhill
1: mm-hmm. i to be honest, I personally never found her attractive uh Demi Moore she... just wasn't wasn't my thing but when uh when I see her as uh, an old woman <laughs> and people tell me how hot she is that's where I have a tough time Yeah, following.
2: she... Demi Moore... I would put her in the... Ca- yeah, she was never, like, one of my favorites, but she did look really, really good in Showgirls. But then again, she's, like, dancing around in a thong, and she got all, like, in really good what? shape for that role. What's her name, though? Oh, wait,
1: no, not Showgirls. Was it Showgirls? I don't know. No. Uh, cause I never watched Showgirls, she did but... She the other I, stripper but, movie. But Showgirls
2: I... was the one with, uh, the girl from Saved by the Bell.
1: Yeah, and she was fucking DEFCON 4. I remember I put something on one time and instead of the movie that I was trying to watch, Showgirls came on (laughs) and I was like, who the fuck is this? (laughs) Yeah, she went hard for that role.
2: You can tell that that was the role where she probably thought that she was going to uh, you know, that was going to be like a breakout role. Yeah, she was going to get an Oscar maybe.
1: It should have been just based on looks alone. It doesn't matter what Shitty movie she was doing. Like she should have gotten that. Like that movie was big enough to get her mass attention. Yeah. And she's one of those people who is just everything else aside. She's just good looking enough to be put in A lister movies. Yeah, but that movie was. Uh, have you ever? So did you watch it all the way through? No, no. no. As I mentioned just a moment ago, I watched oh. like the first ten minutes of it. Oh. Uh, she was super hot, not hot enough to get me to watch the whole movie.
2: Yeah, uh, that that was a very silly movie. Um,
1: well, it that, was a, as we talked about before. It's a Paul Verhoeven movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. you and know, <laughs> they
2: had some hilarious scenes in that movie though. Like some mm-hmm. of the sex scenes, are so. There's a scene where she bangs. It's like
1: super awkward, right? There's like a yeah. really awkward sex scene. There's a scene
2: like, where she like spanks Kyle McLaughlin like bare ass, I think. And mm-hmm. there's also a scene where like they're boning in the pool. And there's she's a scene where she fights Arnold
1: Schwarzenegger in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> No. Here, uh,
2: oh so it was a strip tease that Demi Moore okay. was in and um, pulled up some photos here. Um, if you've never seen strip tease, she looked great in strip tease. If you guys haven't seen strip tease guys, don't watch the whole movie. Just go online and watch a pirated uh, compilation of all the nude scenes. That's or just I would
1: look up the nude or just look up the nude pictures. You can really get the gist of it.
2: Uh, the, yeah. the, the photos are good, too, but the videos are also great. I'd go with some videos as well.
1: Uh, her boob lo- her boobs look really great. Uh, she, Her body looks very tight and everything. I particularly just don't like her face. She just has this weird, like, scrunched up, like, wrongly shaped face to me. I don't know what it is about it, but... I guess she grew up. I remember, like, um, I don't
2: know where I heard this or saw this, but... I heard that she grew up like really, really poor, like in a trailer park or something. Mm-hmm. And she just like uh, yeah. scratched and clawed her, her way face. Out of never, it. never, never got itself corrected from <laughs> the hard life. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, if you grow up in a trailer park, your face is going to be
1: ruined. <laughs> she was never able to correct the damage growing up in a trailer park did to her face. Yes. Um,
2: um. Well, uh, enough about Demi Moore yeah let's talk about uh one you know what I wanted to talk about was one of the uh suggested topics that we had from our uh, from our um listeners mm-hmm. and i don't I don't even remember who suggested it, but it was like which uh children's game show the uh, Nickelodeon, was, Nickelodeon game shows Nickelodeon yeah i I've,
1: show. I've been meaning to talk about this one for a couple podcasts now um now my given was always uh the one I like to watch the most was always uh legends of the hidden temple yeah i thought it was just really cool i was like none of those things look super hard i'm pretty sure i could handle all these all these stunts but i also like the idea of playing in a uh, in a um what's it called in like an indiana jones style world for a little bit legends of the hidden temple was a really smart show because
2: they were able to combine like the action element with the fantasy element mm-hmm.
1: Which for a bunch of kids to watch, it was very like very exciting.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because even for somebody like like whether you were into like sports and stuff like that, which I wasn't as a kid, or you were into action adventure stuff, you could they were gonna hook you in. Mm -hmm. So they would, um, you know, those of you that don't know, they had a big talking tribal statue head called Olmec. Olmec, yeah. They tell you a story, basically. And it was kind of like a history lesson, not necessarily. That's probably being a little too. Um... That's probably being <laughs> too uh, too kind. To... Yeah, it was more like myths. Yeah, like they would tell you a myth but of that, some sort. But
1: that's still fun though. Like it's yeah. I mean, you may not be learning actual history, but you're. Well, you're they least... would pepper yeah. in a little bit of actual yeah. history. But you're getting uh, you're getting like these cultural myths and legends, and you know yeah. that's worth getting into as well. Yeah, and they had teams. I always remember I really liked the
2: my favorite color was purple. So I remember I liked the Purple Monkeys. Mm-hmm. I think they're monkeys, right. right?
1: Yeah, I think it was Purple Monkeys. Uh they had, like um, the Blue Iguanas. It's, you know, I meant to watch a couple episodes before we actually talked about this just to like refresh <laughs> my memory of it, but uh, yeah, like I kind of uh I did a little I did a little looking up. <clears throat> but uh the other one I, I remember uh, looking into was, um, the, the other one I might have really wanted to be on was, uh, what is it called? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. But was it Guts? No, no. It was the one where uh, you get to stand next to Summer, Sta- Summer Sanders the whole time. Oh, that was... Everybody, uh... everybody wanted to, to be on that one. Yeah, well, Summer Sanders was super hot yeah. and everybody had a crush on her everyone um, who i ever knew watching nickelodeon shows wanted to be on that show cuz we were all going to make a move on summer sanders she's
2: still man summer sanders i just pulled I up looked summer her up. sanders she's still yeah. banging like she's 45 <laughs> she's legit too holy shit she has all kinds of medals in the olympics bunch really? of golds yeah yeah she's got golds all over she's, the place.
1: summer sanders is an Olympian i didn't even fucking she's an know olympic that olympic
2: swimmer yep um so it's very impressive summer, Sanders, summer. was it called What Would You No, that's not what it was called. the fuck was that show called? Somebody out know. there is like screaming like you fucking idiots. Um figure it out. Figure it out was yeah. the one. Yeah, figure it out was good, but I remember always getting
1: really pissed off at the end.
2: Do you remember what I'm talking I about? I just kinda
1: never gave a shit about the show. <laughs> it really does it didn't really it wasn't that interesting. Alright, well what I didn't like about the
2: show as I remember, it was like figure it out, and then wouldn't like they would have a kid at the end with a special talent or something like that, and you'd have to like guess their talent. Wasn't that the premise of the show? Well, basically? they had the uh,
1: they had the celebrity like the kids on the show. I think that was it. Hold on, uh, the kids the kids who got brought onto the show had like a secret talent. They'd be like, I could whistle out of my ears, or you know, like yeah, when yeah. I fart, it smells like bubble gum, and they would be like something stupid like that. <clears throat> And uh, the celebrity the celebrity panel they would have have they, to ask yes or no questions right So it would be like 20 questions basically yeah. was it But they would have to guess the,
2: the kid the, mm-hmm. that would all lead to them figuring out the kid's talent yeah And well here's what I remember getting annoyed by is like some of the talents that these kids supposed like they weren't even you couldn't even call them talents. like you could tell they ran out of talents very quickly because mm-hmm. some of the kids they would have on there would just do the stupidest. Like, they would have a kid on there, they'd be like, what's your talent? And the kid would have, like, some kind of elaborate hamster farm, or, like, it would always be, it would be something stupid, where really. are like, that's not a talent, that's it's just like talent. something that you've accumulated, that's not even anything. That's a collection, you it's, asshole, yeah, a lot of talent. Yeah, do that all the time. Um, but I remember there was a lot of fuckery on that show in that regard. But you know, I remember, yeah, they did alternate the cast. And they had... It. The one that I remembered very vividly, because he was on there all the time, was the kid from
1: uh, Pete and Pete. Yeah. Um, and that girl from uh, All That. Who, yeah, Lori Beth Denver. Which, even as a kid, All That I found to be like a completely not funny sketch comedy show. Like, it, it was always rough to watch. I
2: agree for the most part, however. There was uh, a couple of characters... Michelle Trachtenberg was on there Michael Malley the guy who hosted guts was on there as a guest mm-hmm. contestant um, there was there were some characters on all that that I did enjoy um, what, were, what were some of the characters that I enjoyed like I really liked uh, what do you call it um, I really liked uh, there was you remember the pizza face guy? Pizza face. There's a guy who had like a pizza
1: for. A I, face. I remember the pizza face guy. I'm trying to get like a visual image of it in my head right now. It's really been a long time because, like, like I said, even as a kid, didn't I like didn't watch it, it much because yeah. I just didn't think it was funny. But occasionally, I would watch it. There was a guy named <clears throat> a Repair Man that I liked. He would go Repair
2: Man, Man, Man,
1: Man. Oh, man, Repair Man, Man, man. Man man, <laughs> man, man, man. Yeah, but that was, was, was that, a really stupid show. Was that a uh, Was that one of the Keenan and Kel guys? Was yeah, that, it was Kel. It was Kel, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kenan and Kel. He's yeah. on. Uh, is he on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, he's know? been on Saturday yeah. Night Live for a long time too. He's been on there forever. Yeah. Well, he ain't going anywhere else. No, he's no. not good enough to. He's <laughs> not even
2: funny on. He's not even funny on. Set. I like don't like to shit on people. Yeah. But to me, he, that guy's just not funny.
1: Unfortunately, like the the place that we're at right now, recording on this podcast, is the place to shit on people. Yeah. I hate to <laughs> I hate to admit to it, but like that's half of what we've got to do is we're letting you people who are listening know who sucks. Yeah, and, and you if you guys like, like
2: Kenan Thompson, uh, he sucks. You shouldn't like him. He's not yeah. funny. If uh, you do like him,
1: you know, good for him. It's nice that he has <laughs> uh, nice he has a fan. But a fan just know him. you're the only one. <laughs>
2: yeah, he he's Saturday Night,
1: Yeah, he's horrible on Saturday Night Live. Um, I really liked Mad TV when I was growing up. I liked a couple sketches on Mad TV, like Stewart was. Stuart was hilarious. It. Like, if you didn't like Stewart, like mm. I don't know what I can do for, for you. For some
2: of our uh, listeners who didn't listen to Mad TV or maybe didn't know about Stewart, mm-hmm. he was this really absurd like man baby
1: character. He was. Uh, he was that one guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, he's in a bunch of stuff. Too. Yeah, he's a, he's a very famous actor. Like. Not well, like an A-lister, but he's yeah. famous. Like he's he, like a D-lister. Yeah, you've seen him before. <laughs> but he's been in a lot of stuff. But he's really funny.
2: And uh, that skit, he was like a big man baby. And uh, his mom, his mom, he had a really funny mom, and she would like, she would have, babysitters come over to babysit him. Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald.
1: Yeah. One of the twelve thousand different Michael McDonalds in the yeah, world. Yeah, there's a lot like, of Michael McDonalds. One of that's the most
2: very, com- well, it's. it's that's got to be the most common name. That ever. may be the single most common name in the world. <clears throat> I can think of three, four Michael McDonalds off the top of my head. Kickboxer Michael yeah. McDonald, fighter. A kickboxer
1: Michael McDonald. kickboxer Michael
2: McDonald, <laughs> Michael McDonald. UFC fighter Michael McDonald. McCullough? Musician Michael McDonald. Actor Michael McDonald. That's five. Yeah,
1: that's five right off the bat. I'm proud of you, Matt. That was really good. That was good. <laughs> um, and it's not like you have to really remember really specific details about them. It's, the name is already there. They're all Michael McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Stewart was funny. Um, there was a. Do you remember there was an Artie Lane character called My Black Mama?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up right so, now. I, I, I think I, it was I,
2: called My Black Mama.
1: Uh, and it was like... <laughs> Artie Lang is, is one of those great characters. I think you told me about his book. His book? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I'm not Horatio Sands or <laughs> something no, like that. No, no, that's a, I think that's somebody else. His book oh. is called Too Fat to Fish. Oh, there we go. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not Horatio
2: Sands. Maybe he wrote a second, I know he came out with a second book though, and it might have been called that. I'm not sure. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it was called My Black Mama and like the, the, basically the premise of the skit was that, uh. Was that, like, he somehow... I think he hit an old black woman with his car by accident. It's,
1: uh, the guy from the 7-Up commercials is on it with him.
2: Yeah. So, like, he hit an old black woman with his car, and then her soul escaped into his body as a... Oh. ...mid-30s white fat man. And, like, I, yeah. he, he would repeat all these, like... It would probably be considered racist today. It would be... It,
1: yeah, it would be... He's wearing, like, traditional African, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like the the dress style kind of, like, yeah. uh, overcoat things. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: And he'd go, I'm going to break my foot off in your ass. And he'd go, go down to the store and get me some tuna fish. Or a can of tuna. He would say, get me a can get of tuna. Get me a tuna. can of tuna. He told a really funny story when I was... That was a, one thing that was really funny about reading his book, is he would tell these... He's like a lifelong uh, drug addict. Uh That's like his favorite thing to do is drugs. drugs. And when he was filming Mad TV, he was mainly a cocaine addict. So he told all these really funny... What a surprise. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) That
1: cocaine (laughs) is the drug of choice when you're filming Mad TV.
2: He told all these really funny stories in his book about um, these crazy things that he would do uh, while he was addicted to cocaine. And uh, one of the ones was he had a character named... uh, It was a, a skit called Babe Watch. And it was where he would dress like he would wear a pig snout, a prosthetic pig snout. Mm-hmm. And it was him running down the beach as like a Baywatch character, but he's just he's a man, half man, half pig. Babe watch. So it's a completely <laughs> yeah. absurd premise. And he told We're this like really funny. Babe fun- the pig, you know. Yeah, so he tells this really funny story about how when he was addicted to Coke, he uh, he one time forgot to get his coke before he was filming the skit. So he oh, shows no. up to the skit, and they put his prosthetic on. Okay, he has a pig prosthetic over his nose, so
1: uh, it's really hard to do. coke <laughs> How are you going to do coke? Up?
2: So he goes to pick up his coke while he's wearing the pig prosthetic, and he said his dealer is just like looking at him like he's crazy. He doesn't even have time to explain to him why he's wearing it. And then he said he was so hard up for coke that he ended up poking nostrils into the pig prosthetic so he could still snort coke, <laughs> snort coke through his pig prosthetic. Uh, which I just thought was like such a hilarious story that you were that you that badly needed to get high. That's amazing. And, and I'm pretty sure he said I might be misquoting this, but I'm pretty sure he said in the book that he was doing this as he was driving. So he he's said doing that, it while he's driving. So he said that people probably thought he looked insane. The guy wearing a pig prosthetic, shirtless, snorting coke mm. as he's driving his car so
1: in L.A. Everybody. At- Out there listening, there's an episode of Babe Watch you can watch where he has holes in his in his prosthetic nose that you can look up, and you know that's the one that he (laughs) that he he did that that he was that he was snorting coke through his mask his his prosthetic nose yeah
2: yes yeah Matt TV there was this other one that I remember really vividly it was called uh, Sex Toy Story okay. So, it was like Toy Story, but the idea was they were all sex toys. So, Buzz Lightyear was a brand new shiny dildo. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear? Yeah, Buzz Lightyear. I was like, yeah. I and then Woody, Woody, I see what you did there. <laughs> Woody was like a sex cowboy, so he was wearing like assless chaps and leather. And uh, it was a really funny skit. And then like all the sex toys, like when Buzz Lightyear comes um and whoever the character is is using him to pleasure herself all the other sex toys are getting all jealous and she has like a toy chest of sex toys (laughs) it's just a really that's a funny one too if you guys get a chance watch sex toy story
1: yeah a lot a lot like uh a lot like all that um mad tv i watched i watched more when i was much younger and as a there was only, like, a few sketches on it that I really found found funny. I think I might have been too young for things like uh, Sex Toy Story <laughs> to really, like, connect well, with me. No, but even, uh, as a,
2: even as a young guy, I remember Mad TV being pretty
1: inconsistent. Yeah.
2: They would have one sketch. Like, for every five sketches, there would be one that was really funny. Well,
1: yeah, like, for instance, their favorite sketch character in the world. Like, literally, you couldn't watch an episode without getting at least one sketch from this character. Miss Swan. Miss <laughs> Swan. Which would, like, would not fly today. Yeah, no. Well, first of all, it's super racist. But also, like, it's just in general, like... It's really the, dumb. The only joke uh, that it is is her doing a really bad Asian accent. <laughs> yeah. Like, a really bad general Asian accent. And it's, like, to me... It's a very that, obvious joke. Yeah, exactly. There's it's no like, real... Wit to it. Yeah, if you think that's funny, that's great. I will, apparently, a lot of people did. Like, I still get people, like, I'll hear people that are in conversation do, like, Miss Swan references, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. It's God. unbelievable that all like, these years later, yeah, people like, still remember Miss Swan. People still remember Miss Swan, still think it was funny, and personally, like, I don't know. I, I have, like, a, a thing about, like, a, a style of humor that I just don't appreciate is just, uh, Bad accents. Yeah. I, I'm impressed by people who can do accents really well. I actually am very impressed by that. I'm very impressed by like, um, by like imitational comedians and stuff. Like, I think being able to conform your vocal cords to actually be similar to something else can be really funny and it can be really impressive. But just doing a really bad version of that is like nails on a chalkboard to me. It's yeah. just like not funny and I don't, I don't get, into that, or
2: it instantaneously comes off as like that person is trying too hard. If it's not yeah. good, you know, right, just, right. If it's if it's done right, I don't like you said. I, I don't mind it, but uh, you know, like there's there's tons that you'll hear all the time, like Chris Walken and mm-hmm. you know everybody, all
1: comedians do right. Christopher Walken and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all those. Um, I think I oh, uh, I kind of bring that up because I I. I recently like on my my Pandora comedy station for some reason I started getting a lot of impressionist comedians and I always like that I'm stoked that that's showing up on my uh, on my Pandora station but like yeah it's it's been something I've been getting exposed to a lot. It's really you know great. who's amazing at uh, doing impressions is Dana
2: Carvey. He was on Howard Stern recently mm-hmm. and Howard Stern like he would just like he would go through and he would just run through fucking church lady ten different.
1: Ten different ones back to back, mm. and it was like amazing, and they're all really, really good. Isn't uh, isn't Matt Damon super good at impressions too? Like, I think Matt Damon's like crazy good at impressions. I, I, was I,
2: not, I wasn't aware of that. No, man.
1: I I haven't seen him do it. I heard third person that Matt Damon is fucking super good at impressions. I need to check that out before I really give you guys any any solid opinion there. <laughs> mm. Matt Damon. Uh, there's this guy super not famous guy uh, James Adomian that I've been listening to his comedy is super funny but like he does all kinds of uh, all kinds of different people let me see like he does uh, the old guy on uh, Virgil on Tombstone what's his name Uh, Virgil. you know what's funny I've never watched Tombstone that is a silly thing I know you You know how many
2: times I've heard that from people Um, yeah I've never seen Tombstone
1: uh-huh. Is Sam Elliott? So, oh, Sam Elliott. Yeah, yeah he, does, he does. He does. Uh, he does a Sam Elliott impression. He's like talking about how he wants Sam Elliott to do a commercial for something that isn't necessarily super overtly masculine. He's doing like beef. It's what's for dinner tonight. <laughs> for, for those of you that don't know, Sam Elliott is a. Uh, he's from. Uh, he was in
2: the Big Lebowski. He played the um, the cowboy. He was also in
1: Roadhouse. You remember Roadhouse? Dude, Patrick he, Swayze? He was, uh, what's his name? He was like his mentor. He's all, he's all, we need the best. He's all, I'm not the best. Whoever Sam Elliott's character is, is the best. <laughs> he played Wade Garrett in Roadhouse. Garrett, he says, Garrett's the best.
2: So Wade Garrett and then Patrick Swayze. What is Patrick Swayze's name in that
1: movie? Oh, James Dalton. <laughs> James so, don't. If you guys haven't seen Roadhouse, or if you grew up and watched it on like the USA channel or anything, you have absolutely got to watch an unedited version of the movie. Yeah. Don't worry. It doesn't hold up over time. It's not really that good to go back and watch. I love it, but I'm a dork for action movies. Yeah. But the, the one scene, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? The hospital right? scene? No. The scene where he's fighting that guy in the woods. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> in the water and stuff. Yeah, they're out by the yeah. water, and he's fighting this guy who works for. Um, he's fighting this guy who who works for like the villain. Who's just like a rich guy. He's like a car dealership. Owns like a car dealership or something. Like yeah. He's like. <laughs> I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> yeah, that's what he tells him. I, yeah. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Yeah, Probably that, the funniest line and he says it with absolute seriousness. Like you've gotta see this guy. Oh yeah, say no, it. you
2: could tell that uh when they made that movie, the director or whoever, the writer, they thought like, that that's line a was hard gonna line. kill it, and they did not realize it was not gonna sound how they anticipated <laughs> it at all. Um yeah, that movie is full of really stupid lines. Like there's a scene in um there was a scene in uh Well,
1: they they play out this whole um overall feel like it's almost like they invented this world where bouncers it's like a john wick style world where bouncers are like super like they're, they're this next level thing like it takes this <clears throat> advanced skill to be a bouncer at a bar and they're all like special special skilled individuals like if you're a bouncer that means something in this world
2: <laughs> yeah they're 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 um and patrick swayze is like he's like not a big dude and uh, no. but they make him like a karate expert once mm-hmm. again, kind of ties back into our first podcast where we we're talking about people's complete uh, lack of understanding regarding mm-hmm. martial arts. Uh, um, well, he's a dancer, you know, so he <laughs> can throw those legs up and do karate looking things. Patrick Swayze, I love him in this movie though, he's perfect for this role. Mm-hmm. If anybody was born to play that role, it was Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in the hospital where after he got stabbed. And the lady is like reading over (laughs) his medical report She's reading over his medical report And he's got like 50 Stab wounds and a crazy amount of stitches And she's talking about Pain and Patrick Swayze goes Pain don't hurt
0: Pain Pain don't hurt Pain
1: don't hurt Pain don't hurt Pain don't hurt guys If you take anything away from today's lesson Pain don't hurt I used to fuck guys like you in prison And pain Pain don't don't hurt hurt. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a you know Roadhouse kind of became a cult classic over time because uh,
1: I remember first watching that movie when I was like twelve. Well, I think and, it, it got a big resurgence from uh, from Family Guy. Oh, that that's right. And uh, if you guys have ever seen um, if you guys have ever seen Mystery Science Theater three thousand, the guy who had a who had a baseball glove for a head that was his favorite movie that he often would reference.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, they even have it here on the
2: Wikipedia. You know, they were supposed to remake it in 2015
1: um, with Ronda Rousey. God, that would have been a horrible idea. Oh, no. Yeah, I I remember hearing about that. That would have been the worst. Yeah. Well, you know what I wanted to get back to, though? So, if we
2: were to go on a... uh, Crow
1: crow T. Robot. His favorite movie.
2: (laughs) Crow T. Robot. (laughs) Um, what, What I wanted to get back to, so... Um, when we were talking about the uh, the game shows We were talking about Legends of the Hidden Temple mm-hmm. The other one I wanted to talk about was Guts Because mm-hmm. uh, Guts was like I watched an episode of it last night it it's so weird to watch through the eyes of a, of a uh, adult mm-hmm. compared to when I was a kid. Was
1: guts? Was that the one that was like American Gladiators for yeah, kids? Yeah, it was All American right. Gladiators. That's exactly what I wrote. American Gladiators
2: for kids. Right. And uh, it was always like super. I don't think there was ever a
1: black kid on that show.
0: It was always
2: super <laughs> white suburban kids. That you know they shipped the, in. the the <laughs> one
1: uh, the one the one scene. Um, that I watched of, uh, of Legends of the Hidden Temple they had a black kid on it and he just smoked everybody at the, at the <laughs> I climb. was going to say yeah it's like probably. everybody these little these little fucking dweeby white kids are like trying they're getting like uh, rocks dropped on them and they can't get up this thing and he just fucking beelines it up the top I don't even think he was following the trail he was just hopping yeah. over over boulders <laughs> like this the, you know the producer probably came in and he was like hey he's talking to the casting director he's like take it easy on the black kids huh <laughs> our white kids down, down, yeah. right? we, we need Slowed these white kids. That, uh, yeah. um, Look, no offense. We just need our white kids to get some wins. <laughs> we can't just have uh, them in there getting smoked every yeah, time. Guts was a really silly show. It was
2: American Gladiators for kids. They had the aggro crag at the end. The Remember aggro that? Crag. The yeah. aggro crag was like this big, giant, um, probably not even really that big in person, but it looked huge when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a mountain that they made. But mm-hmm. these kids would climb and then there would be like lights on it that, along the way that they would have to touch or like
1: flags they would have yeah. to collect or something. You know what? I th- I'm pretty sure Legends of the Hidden Temple and Guts were like basically the same show. Uh-huh. They had all the same shit going on except they uh, except they like Guts had a different, like, theme. It was, like, American Gladiator-themed, whereas, yeah. like, Legends of the Hidden Temple was Indiana Jones-themed.
2: Yeah, and Legends of the Hidden Temple <clears> had that scary, uh... I thought those vibe. dudes at the end were really scary. The guys who'd jump out and, like, grab you when you're yeah, running through the... Yeah, yeah, when you're going the through the, uh, of the Silver uh, yeah. Monkey.
1: Right, when you're going through is the, Was he a uh, Golden Monkey? I don't even remember. I don't know, but it's like a maze, right? You go, yeah, it was like yeah. a maze. Yeah. I think it's a Golden Monkey. It's the Shrine of the Golden Monkey, and you try to get to the monkey, and then you win. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there'd be these creepy ass dudes just lurking in these uh, in these little cubby holes, and they just jump out and fucking grab you. That shit's scary, man.
2: Yeah, they looked like um,
1: that'd be scary right now. If I did that, yeah, and some I, guy jumped out, I would probably fucking sock him. Like, not. Yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, like haunted houses and stuff like that. I never mm-hmm. have been. I'm just not really into people jumping out and scaring me. Um, I I have fun with it. But I have an actual legitimate fear that somebody's gonna jump <laughs> yeah. out and get yeah. too close and I'm gonna lay them out. I've done that before. <laughs> just front. Kick him. No, I, I had um, I used to work for uh, I used to work for the city and um, we were setting up a uh, we were setting up a haunted house at the Abel Maldonado Center during Halloween. and um, we just got all the walls up and everything and then we got the smoke machine up and then we got everything all set up. But we didn't have any of the props or the scary things in there yet so I I had to go on my lunch break so I go on my lunch break I come back and then um, this girl who works there she's like oh Keith I want to show you this thing that we we already got we just got ready and I'm like okay and I go follow her and she starts kind of like running so she's trying to get me to follow her fast you know so I'm like I can tell like I'm being set up for something and then she like turns a corner and disappears and this guy I think it was Julio Julio comes running out with like a (laughs) Julio comes running out with a fucking like mask on, mm. and uh, he got me off guard. He got me. He scared me. <laughs> I like I did. I wasn't expecting it right then, you know. And I took a step back, and I hit him in the face with an open palm, and I fucking laid him
2: out. Okay, so you just... So did you just like...
1: So did he like fall over yeah. and everything? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Was Julio like, oh dude? <laughs> no, I mean he kind of was like, I probably had that coming. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh I don't know. it uh startled me and my response to being startled was to hit whatever scared me. I, it's like know. that do you
2: remember that video on online or online that was really popular like this is a while back. It was probably in like the infancy of YouTube. But uh, it was like a dude hiding in a trash can with a mm-hmm. Halloween mask on. Right, right. The kid's walking by and he hops out. The kid just I, like literally knocks him out.
1: I think that was so early in the infancy of YouTube that that yeah. same video was actually on America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, yeah, probably. It on, on, uh, before it was on YouTube. That's a weird thing.
2: I was just thinking about YouTube that completely recently. completely
1: too. took over the America's YouTube-ism. Funniest Home Videos. yeah. yeah.
2: There's yeah. No, those shows don't exist I anymore. Mean, it's amazing to me that you even still have a show like... Um, like, that Rob Dyrdek show, uh, Ridiculousness. Like, mm-hmm. how does that show survive still?
1: Because all those clips are on
2: YouTube.
1: Well, I am um, I think, isn't Rob Dyrdek just super rich, and he just yeah. keeps all of his stuff afloat, like, yeah. regardless of whether anybody's watching it or not? Yeah, it, Rob Deerdick has to be, like, the most low-profile
2: mogul around. Yeah. Because he's not, like, super out there, like, uh, you know, like, the way that, like, Tony Hawk was and like yeah. Ben Margera was and stuff like that. But he's just like he just kinda lays low and makes a shitload of money, I guess.
1: Yeah. He's got his shows, Fantasy Factory, Robin Big. Yeah. Um, and now he's doing ridiculousness, which ridiculousness is kind of um I'd say that's kind of a uh the same thing as as the the Daniels Haas show and the yeah. Joe McHale show and yeah. uh which, to be honest, I would really rather watch either one of them because they're just funnier. Like, yeah, they're he's better just at being. Not,
2: it's just like, like, yeah, Rob Dyrdek. It's like him and um, him and uh, the other guy, Skilo, mm-hmm. Skilo. Well, all, the girl.
1: All like Rob Dyrdek's cool and everything, and he has interesting ideas. He makes his money because he has has some interesting ideas, but he's not a professional comedian. No, and all he really brings to the table when he watches these videos is it's just like, oh man. Wow. Yeah, yeah it was like, like that hurt. reaction. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, that that's a it's it's strange because that uh I remember when I was a kid watching America's funniest home videos and it was almost always uh, something with a pet. hmm Something with a toddler or a baby or like dad. Uh, slipping on something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was always the same kind of It was very always lighthearted. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, was always very family friendly. Every once in a while they would show a clip where the person fell really hard and you were like, "Oh, they might have died." Yeah. Um but they, it was there there pretty... was the
1: occasional really really funny thing on there for sure. Like I I remember there being a few things that But it, again, it's all stuff that you could just watch on YouTube. Yeah. Like
2: yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's strange. If you would have told me, I remember, I still remember when YouTube first came out, and uh, you know, I remember occasionally going on there and and watching stuff. And if you would have told me then that it would be what it is today, like man, it's taken over everything. I don't really even watch regular TV. Like ninety nine percent of the content that I watch is off of YouTube.
1: Uh huh. Well, um, I like. I'm I'm more of a movie person. If you guys haven't gathered that from the stuff we talk about on here, but yeah, I, I watch everything online. I really rarely watch anything on on TV, because TV is so uh, controlling. Of well, yeah, like, I can't wh- sit
2: through a fucking
1: commercial anymore.
2: Like yeah. you, yeah. If I gotta sit through my my attention span now, if I gotta sit through a commercial for three minutes, you've pretty much lost me. I've moved on. Uh Um, by then I'm on my phone I'm Mm. reading something else I'm doing something else
1: I'm in another world yeah so commercials are basically uh,
2: I don't have time for commercials at this point at this point in my life
1: (laughs) I don't have time for your advertisements (laughs) to tell me what I can and can't watch yeah um no I yeah I, I don't I don't dig on commercials either um I did watch this thing um, I was on a I was on a fire stake and I saw like there's this live TV app and I started looking through it and I was like well that's really interesting you know it's literally just like a cable package but it's this free live TV thing and mm-hmm. I put a channel on and immediately before like the movie Troll 2 started there was a there was a Total Gym commercial on and I was just like that's fucking no. it man and I just turned it off and I went back to Netflix <laughs> <laughs> We had a fair. We had a pretty oh. funny moment here, guys. If only. Keith's chair just broke,
2: uh, and it was like out of a movie. Literally, the legs just completely disintegrated underneath him.
1: I think, I think the legs grew some new actual attachments too. That's, that doesn't make any sense when I'm looking at here.
2: That actually wasn't bad. That could have been a lot worse because. He's sitting, and he's got the microphone right in front of him with, like, a cup of hot coffee, his laptop, and, uh, nothing broke. I mean, well, except for the chair, but, uh...
1: Everything about that situation could have been much worse.
2: Yeah, that was pretty mellow. Um, so what we were talking about, we were saying... Oh, yeah, Troll 2. Did we ever talk about Troll 2 on any of the other podcasts? No,
1: we haven't. You know what? That's a great one, and that came up really organically. Yeah. Troll 2, uh... For those of you that haven't seen
2: it, it's widely recognized as probably... Well, this... Troll 2 and The Disaster well, Artist. Or it, not The Disaster yeah, Artist. um, fucking... It, it is, know, what's it called? Uh, the, the guy,
1: The guy... F- the Room. The Room. Those from, are considered yeah. the
2: two, like, the creme de la creme as far as great, bad movies.
1: Right. Uh, as far as um, not just the badness of the movie, but particularly how bad the acting is. Yeah. Like, Troll 2... Uh, what is that famous, famous line where the guy, they're like,
0: he's like, we, oh, no,
1: they're eating her and then they're going to eat, eat me. me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> uh, there's another line that the guy has in there that the dad has something about. Um, I'll have to look this up, guys. Um, but, yeah, if you haven't seen Troll 2, uh, it's a it's not for everybody. It's a very particular sense of humor. It's not um, for most people. No. No, and they actually did. Now the ironic thing about it is, with uh, a kid who was in Troll Two, ended up doing a legitimately very very good documentary about it, and it's really? called yeah, and it's called the uh, I think it's called the greatest worst movie ever made, something like that. Um, but I remember I saw it a few years ago, and uh, it uh, it was called the best worst movie, best worst movie um
1: yeah i'm gonna have to watch that later it's
2: really really good and they give you a whole history of it talks about how the guy who directed troll 2 um his name is claudio fragasso and he is a uh with an italian
1: name like that you'd really think he was gonna make a really classy horror movie well that's what he thought he was you know like yeah
2: yeah well that's what he thought he was making he thought this guy when you watch this documentary it becomes very clear that this dude till this day Still takes his work very seriously. Mm-hmm. He thinks that Troll Two is a social commentary on family life, and like he he does not view
1: Troll Two the way the actual fans of Troll Two view Troll Two. No, no, and uh, I can I can definitely see that. Uh, now, when you watch Troll Two, it is virtually impossible to see it as anything other than a like. Silly, silly, bad movie. (laughs) That's (laughs) all it
2: is. Troll 2, the funny thing about Troll 2 as well is uh, it has nothing to do with Troll 1. They're completely unrelated. It's titled as a sequel to Troll, uh, but it's got
1: nothing to do with it. Even even the the monsters and everything are kind of like unrelated to the monster and Troll, which is, you know, surprise, surprise, a troll. Um, What was it that, like, they were kind of like Trolls in Troll 2, but they were, like, completely Uh, different from the one in Troll 1. They look like a
2: little, like, well, they're played by dwarfs, and they look like. Which was
1: a very classy move that we were allowed to do in the uh, early early 80s and 90s.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they look like little, um, I don't even know, how would you describe them? I mean, me, I guess me, they look like look trolls, again, but I don't really like... know
1: what a troll looks like. They, I just remember they had really well, big a, noses. A, a troll is a pretty generic term. They look like... I thought like they a...
2: looked more like little gnome, gnomes. They look like little gnomes. Um, But it's a really silly movie. Um, and they don't even call them goblins. They call them nilbogs. So it's goblin backwards.
1: Very clever uh, play nilbogs. on words there that they did. So... Um... They're vaguely similar to uh, the the monster on Troll One. Uh, a lot of what's showing on here is is the monster from Troll One. As as I look at this, uh, but these were like the the costume just seems a lot more cheaply constructed. To be honest, it just is. They're they're flat hard. Non movable faces, so it's like obviously a mask that they're wearing, you know. Like,
2: there's a really funny scene in the movie. This is what I was thinking of earlier, guys, where the father figure in the movie he tells his kid, You can't piss on hospitality. Well, all right, so let me. All right, so here's the background the kid is like, uh, The kid is like being sucked into another reality, or he's like dreaming or something and his family is about to or no okay I'm sorry I totally butchered this here's what happens in the movie if they eat this particular food then they somehow themselves become food for that's the trolls that's right yeah they get to, okay. they,
1: they get like um, they start like oozing like out of their eyes or something yeah. and then they become yeah. covered in this like green green yeah. film and like, then they get stuck, and then the the trolls come fucking eat them.
2: Right. So the kid knows about this, but the parents and the rest of the family are unaware. So they're sitting at the dinner table, and the kid decides that the only way to snap oh, it's
1: drink the broth. There we go. I'm yeah. looking at the uh, it's the the it's that horrible lady with the with the white painted face. And, yeah, uh, who's just heinous and the black looking. Teeth.
2: So yeah. the the son in the movie, the kid, he decides that the only way that he can stop the rest of his family from eating this food and becoming troll food is if he stands up, pulls his dick out, and pisses on it. <laughs> so that's what he does. The father quickly reprimands him, takes him upstairs, upstairs and he says, you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. <laughs> and, and then, then he then... makes him eat that no And then the father <laughs> begins to tighten his belt to relieve hunger pain. But based on the context, it looks like he's going to piss on Joshua, his son.
1: So Troll Two is just filled with um, really odd scenes. You can't like piss this. on hospitality, but you can piss on your children. <laughs>
2: that's the message that we're trying to
1: get. That's here. what that's what Troll Two was really trying to teach us. Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Um, if, maybe if you might not have the patience to sit through the whole thing, but at least look up. Funny lines or just yeah. funny scenes from it online. It's it's a well it's a well established enough great bad movie that uh, there's gonna be compilation scenes on YouTube that'll show you all the um, all the great scenes yeah. on Troll Two and there's tons of them so you guys won't have any trouble finding it. Um, now I I I was kind of tripping out about Troll One. I feel that's that's Sonny Bono, right? Who plays like the uh plays the, the bachelor guy? He's yeah, like, I hey think... man, you can't just move into this apartment complex with kids. I'm gonna be bringing ladies back to my room.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was Sonny Bono in that movie. Um I fuck, it's now Troll Two, I remember watching as a really a really young kid. I don't even
1: know if I really I barely remember Troll One tro was troll one it wasn't even really a horror movie was it it was more like a like a fantasy movie that had some horror tones to it um, troll one was a much more seriously well done movie still old still outdated wasn't really a great movie at any point in time but it was way better than troll 2 in in a in a serious sense
2: yeah troll one looks like it had some I'm looking at photos right now it looks like it actually had some Fairly legitimate puppetry Mm -hmm. Um, Troll 2 was completely amateur
1: Yeah, Troll 2 was very just fucking throwaway
2: Um, I wonder who did the puppetry on Troll 1 Pretty Uh, much back then it was basically like Rick Baker and Tom Savini would just do everything Tom Savini, did you know that? So do you know who Tom Savini is? I've heard the name before. He played Sex Machine in From Dusk oh, Till Dawn. Yeah. yeah, and he always has those little bit roles. So mm-hmm. the reason why they always put him in those little bit roles is because he's the guy who did all the special effects on From Dusk Till Dawn. He's done a bunch of movies. I think he did
1: like Creep Show. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but he's I didn't kind realize of a, that he
1: did that. I mean, I pretty much just knew him as, a, you know, I'd, I'd seen the name multiple times. He's like I, I, he's
2: like the most prolific, um, most prolific kind of horror movie special effects guy pretty much ever I think because he's done everything from from dust till dawn um, dawn of the dead um, he's he's been around since forever uh, mm-hmm. the lost well, wait did he do the original lost boys no that was the sequel scratch that but he's done mm-hmm. a shitload of movies not the original lost boys he did creep show 2 creep show one he uh he's got a pretty interesting story because um. He uh, he was in Vietnam. And they said that when he came back from Vietnam, he kind of used that as... Because he did see a lot of... I think he was like a medic in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And they said that he saw a lot of uh, gruesome injuries while he was yeah. over there. So when he came back, he kind of used
1: that as a... You know, that was... He was able to use that to... Sort of uh, artistic inspiration mm-hmm. drawn from real-life violence. Yeah. Well, I mean... You know everything you're kind of mentioning. It definitely has uh, all, all the all the works that he's done. They all have pretty distinct uh, violent aspects well, to them.
2: And here's what it says here: uh, He was a, a combat photographer in Vietnam. He saw firsthand saw gruesome carnage, for which he later, um, you know, simulated on screen. So pretty interesting there. Mm-hmm. He made his debut. Oh no, that's a directing credit. Um, but yeah. If you guys don't know Thomas Sabini, check him out. He's done a lot of work. Um. So how about let's uh, switch gears a little bit here. We're talking about the fights before here, and I sh- yeah. I showed uh I showed Keith. Uh, if you guys haven't seen the Leota Machida front kick to Vitor Belfort's face, it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
1: It's like putting the fight with uh, Anderson Silva and Vitor in front of a mirror, and then watching the mirror.
2: Yeah, and what's crazy too, Mishida might now be the only guy to ever land two front kicks to the face to finish a fight that way. Because mm-hmm. he finished Cause Randy he finished Couture Randy like that. He yeah. finished, you know, the, that's what's crazy too is he finished two legendary high level fighters with a front kick to the face. Um, but I mean, at the same time though, it's it was it was kind of sad to see Vitor go out like that. Sure, It sure. was like, because at this point, it's like he's just like a punching bag, you know? Like, he's losing to guys who he, not, not, Machida's not in this category, but, you know, he's just handily losing to top-level guys now. I think what uh, Vitor should do, retire, which he says he's going to, or uh, jump back on the TRT. Let's bring yeah. TRT tour back and then go to Bellator.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's, let's get... Let's get the the Masters League going with all the old dudes on TRT. I'm still about that. I think that's yeah. a great idea. I think uh, let's... There, well, I think there comes a point where uh, talk about the effects of being on TRT. Now, if you're if you're young and healthy and you have a healthy amount of testosterone, then it's gonna damage your body to abuse steroids and everything, but you get to a certain point where your body stops producing so much testosterone. And you really, um, you stop healing from injuries as quickly. You stop being able to develop your body as quickly or effectively. Um, and it just makes sense at a certain age to to maintain yourself to be on TRT.
2: Yeah, basically all the functions in your body that make you work well. Um, it's just like Marcellus Wallace says in Pulp Fiction. When he says, if they say it get better with age, it doesn't. It doesn't. You thought your ass was gonna age like wine, didn't you? And it's fucking so true because uh, nothing, right, uh, gets better with age. Your body is a is a organic vessel that will deteriorate mm-hmm. with time.
1: And one of the things that we have an amount of control over is your body's uh, testosterone. We can we can supplement it. We can. We fixed. Can, yeah, we don't. We can, make we him can rebuild better. him. We
2: can make him stronger. Well, yeah. let's be honest here. Vitor Belfort and Titor Belfort are not the same individual. We're talking about two different gentlemen here. For sure. Um, it's like Fat Elvis and Early
1: Elvis. But that's, that's because. Uh, yes, it is. Exactly. But that's <laughs> also because. Uh, vitor was abusing steroids from like yeah. the age of 14
2: like <laughs> i'm pretty sure i'm pretty yeah i would agree with that i haven't right. you know when vitor belfort came to the ufc and and most of you like a lot of you who are listening to this you might not have been watching ufc as long as me and keith have but i remember uh, around the time when Vr when tr uh, TRT, when vitor belfort debuted when he, um, he
1: was he was eighteen when he had his first yeah uh, I used to have an old
2: yeah. VHS tape mm-hmm. of his debut that uh, was recorded off of pay per view.
1: He was like a heavyweight, wasn't he?
2: He was a heavyweight. Yeah, He was a
1: heavyweight. He had perfectly circular basketball shoulders. His, traps, his traps were traps. like
2: fucking mounds. The guy yeah. was huge. I'm pretty and sure he
1: had 64 inch biceps. Yeah,
2: like, and yeah. Uh, he and so here's what's funny though when he made his debut. Uh, Tank Abbott was one of the commentators, and um, the the guy who was commentating with Tank was like, oh man, that was a pretty impressive debut, wouldn't you say, Tank? And Tank was like, yeah, I don't know, I mean, it was alright, but it looked a little sloppy, and Tank Abbott, you could tell, is just like, god damn it, I'm gonna have to I'm fucking have fight, to this, fight guy this guy, and he's gonna destroy me. <laughs> Tank Abbott fought him like two fights later, and Vitor yeah. knocked him out
1: within like 30 seconds. It was complete. Vitor just surgically planted yeah. his fists and... Um, In Tank's face. So,
2: a young Vitor Belfort. Now, Vitor, though, the, that's the interesting thing, though. It makes you wonder, had Vitor not abused steroids early on, which he most certainly did, um, he what it makes you wonder what is his real natural weight. Because I don't actually believe the weight that he walks around at now is his legitimate actual weight. I think it is his his actual weight post-steroids mm-hmm. when his body can't produce testosterone. But I think if he had never... Abused him in the first place. He probably would be slightly
1: bigger than he is now. Uh, I, I'm more so than just his his natural weight. Because um, he looks deflated yeah. now. He looks like a 170 now. Yeah. Well, more more so than that to me. Just uh, from from what I see watching Vitor's career. Because again, like we both watched Vitor from like his debut time up to uh, up to now, and. It makes me wonder, like, did Vitor improve his skills by doing so much steroids, or did he become or did he was it was there more advantage or more disadvantage the way that he destroyed his body with steroids? Because as we talked about before, we had a little we had a little discussion about steroids in, in earlier podcasts, how it motivates you to to work, being on steroids. It motivates you to be to improve yourself and enhance yourself. And if he hadn't been abusing steroids as a very young man, would he have really developed the skills that he has today yeah in that time would he really have uh, and, and would he have put together the career that he's put together in, in up to yeah date?
2: The, the, yeah of course those are legitimate questions because uh, now there' are some things that Vitor has that you can't get from steroids obviously sure. that explosiveness that he has in those first three minutes of the fight, you can't teach that. You know, right. you can't, you, some people have it or some people don't. Sure. You can get, you can improve upon it, but the people that naturally have it just naturally have it. That's one thing. But uh, like you said, is if, if he wasn't, if he hadn't been doing what he was doing and if he wasn't motivated to wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and go acquire those skills or um, sharpen those skills, then would he have, just like Keith said, would they have, have been accumulated over time? It's hard to say, you know. That's 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 kind of the the sad thing about uh, to me uh, B- Vitor Belfort's career mm-hmm. is because he's just fucked up so many times in regards to the drug testing that yeah. it's it overshadows the great things that he's done. It just leaves room for so much speculation that it's difficult to really quantify how much you can attribute his successes to his skill as opposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, the the drop off between him being on TRT and not being on TRT was just so massive.
1: Right. <sighs> and it's tour. a bummer too because <laughs> I
2: love that streak that he had where he was TRT tour it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was, that it, was a super scary fucking fighter. Yeah. Um, and uh, he went on a hot streak and he had this whole career resurgence in his late thirties. And then Usada came
1: in, cracked the whip, and man, they shut his career down. Well, I think the biggest thing about it was um, that it's really hard to prevent abuse of TRT. Like, sure, it's doctor-regulated and everything, but then look at Vitor. He was juiced up to the gills on TRT. He wasn't... He he didn't have a doctor putting him at normal levels of testosterone. He had like six times the testosterone that... Like a, he, like he, like a prize bull had might have Mexico. had Mexico a, a Brazilian doctor. <laughs> yeah, he had exactly. And that's not me that speculating. Way. He did have a Brazilian doctor. <laughs> that that that's explains a it all. Fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, this guy was like, "Yeah, you need all this testosterone." <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Um, if if it it, it, it makes me wonder if uh, the whole TRT thing would have been different if we were able to more closely regulate it and closely monitor that people are maintaining. Um, Fair levels of testosterone uh, repair. Well, because
2: there was other guys who were using it who went off of it, and you didn't really know. Like Dan Henderson was on it, and he went off, and you didn't even notice a difference. Yeah, he still fought exactly the same, Mm -hmm. pretty
1: much. Yeah, but he had fucking back problems and shit, and I think that that kind of thing stood out more. Like he had more issues with that in his fights after he was off of TRT. That's true. And his uh, his belly came back a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, it was, yeah. It's really it's really things like that that I think like man that guy's career could have been another five years if he was if he just had a normal amount of testosterone in his body, mm-hmm. uh, but he can't do it because there's guys like Vitor who are severely abusing the the rights and now nobody gets to do it.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's a I don't necessarily agree with the USADA way of doing things where they just completely ban it. Mm-hmm. I think it would be. F- I think it would be. I think I think there should be some prerequisites in place, where maybe there's an age limit. So maybe after a certain age, you're allowed to take it. Well, I or, think. I mean, well, yeah, but but I, you know what? There, okay, so here's a good example. I remember one time, um, Dennis Hallman was on uh, the uh, MMA Insider show. And he was talking to Bass Rutan about it. This was like probably like five or six years
1: ago. Fucking Dennis, Hellman, the Dennis Hallman, the guy who got the guy who got professional <laughs> wrestling shorts banned from <laughs> Yeah, from his UFC. nutsack literally his, fell out of his shorts. His balls fell out of that his shorts. That was such a funny
2: fight because Dennis Hallman comes out in those tiny little bikini shorts where his ball sack almost hangs out. And, and Dana White is he just was, like And then he no. fought, he fought a, what the fuck, Brian Ebersol, and Brian right. Ebersol had a T shaved onto his chest. <laughs> So it just looked like a complete freak show of a yeah. fight. <laughs> so and, uh, ridiculous. Dana Wyatt was pissed. He was like, yeah. That's fucking disgusting. Nobody <laughs> wants to see that. You guys
1: wanna see that? Like he was so fucking mad. Dana White had so much shit to talk uh, about Dennis Holman for that fight. But anyways, but yeah, Dennis Holman
2: was on a, he was on MMA Insider and he was he got into a little bit of an argument with Bass inside Rutan MMA? About it. Inside MMA. Mm-hmm. He got into a little argument with Bass Rutin about it because he Bass Rutin was saying, I don't think you should take anything, no matter mm-hmm. what. If you get to the point where you, he's... Bass Rutten has always believed that it's for what he perceives to be mentally weak fighters to do mm-hmm. that. Um, people who lack the skills so need to compensate for that and, and take uh, substances. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Holman was saying, though, Dennis Holman went into a history of how apparently he has... a From the time he was a little kid... He was testosterone deficient and mm-hmm. he had trouble developing muscle and he was telling this whole long story and he was like okay so in that case bass is it is it a matter of having a weak mind or having a weak body because i can tell you in my case it was having a weak body because i've been dealing with this my whole life and then he brought up the bigfoot silva uh example where he does have a legitimate pituitary gland issue mm-hmm. or something like that where he can't uh he can't produce uh, right. testosterone um, so I mean there are examples where mm-hmm. it, sh- it should be allowed it shouldn't well, be banned across the board is what I would to, say to me um, but it's it's it's
1: too
2: uh, it's too it's too subjective it shouldn't be across the board
1: well yeah to me it's it's really simple I think like. We're talking about a a medical problem a medical deficiency we're talking about something that like for instance let's let's use a boss an example i'm a huge boss rootin fan i'm not like calling him out or talking shit or anything but he went to panama to get stem cells because his arm was uh exactly. his, his arm was was atrophying because he had a a nerve a nerve issue right. with it and i think that's great i think he's doing the right thing by doing that but you shouldn't take anything you shouldn't take stem cells because that's an answer for a problem that you have exactly having low testosterone is a problem that your body has but we associate it with this whole superman complex thing where we go like yeah this makes you stronger it makes you better so you shouldn't fuck with it at all it's a lack
2: it's a general lack of understanding it's, it's a lack of understanding from the it's general...
1: A of, uh, it's a lack of compassion, well, it's, I think. It's, like, well, it's a lack of compassion. That and may it's, be a strong word for that, but I, it, I think that's well, it, appropriate. No it, no, it is.
2: It's a lack of understanding and a lack of compassion. But I think, for the most part, a lack of understanding from the general public on the way that the body works and the way that they perceive it and it's it's that's a good example because it's like okay well in one case why is it considered not taboo and okay to regenerate to do things to regenerate nerves but it's not okay to do something to regenerate muscle
1: to to regenerate because, uh, to regenerate hormones
2: right regenerate hormones or why would it yeah. not be okay um you know if if a fighter if a fighter has been has got cte and they've been hit in the head a bunch of times mm-hmm. and they're doing uh, there's oh, good, well,
1: your brain is just supposed to stop working. That's right, what. Right. That's, well, that's then, how that's supposed to well, be. And there's <laughs> a good
2: example of that. Like there's this wrestler, Daniel Bryan, who they they forced him to retire like two years ago. Vince McMahon did because he had so many concussions. So he did like tirelessly for like two years. He did all these therapies, all these different things to prove that his, his uh, mental cognition and capabilities were still there. Mm-hmm. And he was actually able to increase it over time using all these new cutting edge therapies. Right. What people don't realize is that all these things go hand in hand. Okay. If my nerves aren't functioning properly, um, then my muscles aren't going to function properly. So thereby enhancing my nerves through the treatment of stem cells, my muscles are going to function better. Mm-hmm. If my brain isn't functioning properly, then I'm not going to be able to produce the adequate levels of hormones that I'm going to need for my muscles to function properly. So indirectly, by improving that, I'm improving my muscle function. Mm-hmm. But they have this idea in their head of big muscles, big performance. Mm-hmm. They jump straight to that.
1: Right. And that but yeah, you, you make a really good point that all, all the functions of your body are connected. Um, but yeah, just like you're saying about the the big muscles big performance connection, that's something I've always said is like I never really minded the idea of, and, and this might be an extreme thing to say, there comes a level when this becomes like not true anymore. But just fighting somebody on steroids, I don't really mind the idea of that, because that doesn't, like, you don't get all your skills no. from steroids. No. Uh, I think Boss is correct, like, probably 50% of the time about, uh, about steroids having to do with, uh, if you're taking steroids, you probably don't trust yourself to, uh, to be good enough to beat me. Yeah, and, I, and I prefer that you fight me like that and, well, <laughs> I want and, you to have and, a nice big strong body and and, and fear in your right. heart. Well, and, like,
2: and and, and it, but it, but it also comes back though too it's like it depends on I guess which level you're talking about because when you get to that really let's say we when get you to get that, to the elite level the of elite fighters level, that was that was the next yeah. point
1: I was gonna make though is when you get to the the elite level and you're talking about fighters like Vitor Belfort that have all the skills in the world some of the best skills that the best dangerous skills that a fighter can have and then you start pumping him full of testosterone and you make the engine match the uh, match the driver and well you know
2: that's when you have a recipe for TRT yeah Yeah, that's (laughs) when you
1: have a recipe for somebody that I don't want to fight and that's when it but you know again going back to the TRT thing though if he was just at a normal adequate level of testosterone then that's fine yeah, it uh, wasn't. He, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have to fight with low testosterone. I think that is pretty extreme. Like, if, it's a real thing. It's not like we're talking about. No, we're, it's not like testosterone itself is a performance enhancing drug. It's a natural hormone that your body produces, and if your body doesn't produce enough of it, your your Pretty much every function, physical function of your body is going to be diminished. You're- well, it's,
2: it's extreme. Look, at, it's, it's Ben Greenfield had a really good quote about this. And he was talking about using unnatural means to meet an unnatural end. Mm-hmm. So it's like, look at the human body. Like, like when I was doing, uh, when I did my marathon, right? Okay, the human body doesn't want to run 26 miles. It's mm-hmm. not something that it is happy to do. Right. Okay. So when I go and I do a marathon and uh, my energy levels are in the fucking toilet for a week after, and I can barely even get through one kettlebell workout without huffing and puffing and fucking feeling like I have a fucking fever. Mm-hmm. That's my body telling me that, Hey, it doesn't want to do this very often. Yeah. Um, so, but now, obviously I don't take anything. And I'm not at a high level at that. But when you get guys who are at a high level at that and they make their living doing that, and they need to be able to get back out there and do that again, maybe mm-hmm. some guys do it like you know once a month mm-hmm. then they're gonna use unnatural means to meet that unnatural end you know there's a difference right. um, we're We're not talking about regular people here who are that who are doing this right you know? now there are regular people who do it, and it's like to me that's like stupid and you it.
1: Well, and again, uh, we're also not talking about, we're not talking about regular people and we're not talking about, once again, we're not talking about abusing it. We're talking about being at a, like putting yourself to like, to meet the needs of what you're doing.
2: Right. right? Yeah. And so, so yeah. And here's where I was going with that. So like, if you have somebody who, who does a marathon or does some kind of crazy physical endeavor, um, the point being is your body is going to be depleted after mm-hmm. that. It's not going to be at a normal level. It's going to be subnormal.
1: You know, people who
2: who aren't familiar with it have this... You're to going say, to be
1: damaged and you need to recover. Right. It.
2: They would look at a fighter and they'd go, look at this guy. He's a physical specimen. He probably walks around feeling great. No, they're fucking tired all the time. Yeah. Their testosterone is in the shitter because mm-hmm. they're training so hard. They don't feel good at all all the time. Right. Um, so yeah, it is, like you said, a lack of understanding, a lack of compassion. They just don't... They haven't been in the trenches of whatever it is they're commenting on most of the time, so they just don't really understand what it is they're talking about.
1: It's, it's just once again, it's a it's a matter of people talking about something that they don't understand. That like you know, we have people making these rules for people that have never had the cage door locked behind them, and right. they are deciding what these people can and can't do. Yeah, people who. Like, this is what they do. They make their living off of this. Once again, you were talking about, like, uh, marathon runners doing it once a month and stuff. Well, we got people here who are fighting to feed their families. And they don't really Mm -hmm. have another skill set. Right. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But this is, in this particular case, let's say we're talking about a guy who, who doesn't. This is what he does for a living. And medically, he's depleted. Medically his, his testosterone has become depleted and maybe it is because of something he did to himself. Maybe he, he abused steroids when he was younger. but while that sucks and that uh, you know that doesn't make it okay to do that, this is still this person's career and we're gonna we're gonna just be like, well, now you can't do this anymore because your body isn't strong enough. Yeah, you see,
2: and that's 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 that's, that's another great way of looking at it because that's another unfair thing about it is they came in, they had a rule before, okay? And the rule was you can do this. Now, whether or not people were abusing it and this and that, that's all subjective. These were the rules and they were simply doing what they were allowed to do. Right. Now, is it fair to come back in there and just make all these dudes go cold turkey because right. you altered the rules suddenly? That's really not a smart way to go about it. A smart way to go about it would be to give everybody a time period to allow them to taper off of these things and maybe even put a protocol instead of just automatically going in with this kind of black and white this is wrong Mm -hmm. now, go in with an actual informed kind of uh, education system on how to help these guys adjust back into not being on this stuff anymore Right, because it was allowed before and they were just doing what they were allowed to do but now it's not allowed. So. Give help them out here, right? Know?
1: Right. Give give them something to work with, here. right? Yeah.
2: Because that, if you're looking at it from a moral perspective, that's
1: the most moralistically right thing to do, I would assume. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're essentially just taking people's jobs away. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a it's a pretty rough thing. Uh, I mean, we can go on. Yeah. All day with that. Yeah.
2: Um, well, let's talk about a. Uh, uh, also in regards to the fight, we were talking about Mackenzie Dern missing weight by 8 pounds.
1: So she was supposed to weigh in at like 115 and she mm-hmm. weighed in at 123. So what I do want to say about this, like uh, Matt Matt made a pretty interesting point when we were talking about it earlier about how Mackenzie Dern uh, is a is a little soft. Like she looks like she could, uh, she could probably physically drop some actual like fat weight and have an easier time getting down to weight, but um i've I've run into girls uh having trouble making weight before mm-hmm. now physiologically girls their bodies work a little different from guys, and like there there can be conditions that make it harder for them right. to actually drop weight like um I remember one girl uh at a fight I, w- I was at she couldn't cut the last like four or five pounds or something like that. the girl. The girl refused to fight her, but the girl couldn't drop the weight because she was on her period, and she like right. was having water retention issues. Mm-hmm. So she literally had a physiological reason why she couldn't make weight. I don't know what's going on with uh, Mackenzie Dern. Like, that's a pretty extreme thing, but if something like that happens, right? you know, once again, there should be a little bit of compassion for it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and if that was the case, yeah, obviously that would be a thing. But at the same time, if you're a Mackenzie Dern, okay... All the other women have to make weight, too. And it's like, if you're a Mackenzie Dern, and they don't seem to have too many troubles with that. Right. If you're a Mackenzie Dern, that should be factored into your preparation, shouldn't it? Like, you should know that, okay, like...
1: Well, you're a top-level fighter, and you're you're a professional in one of the biggest industries in the world you should that know that okay there's
2: a chance I might I don't you know I don't know what her <laughs> uh, menstruation cycle looks like obviously, <laughs> yeah I'm not like, I'm not saying that had anything to do with
1: but, it but I mean like that's just an example
2: yeah what well and, girl, and women for girls and f- for those of you guys that don't know too like women naturally hold a higher body fat percentage so there's there's uh, it's it can be weight cutting can be more difficult for women than it can be for a man um, and there are other hormonal factors yeah, like there's, Keith said like, there
1: um, there are uh, I don't know the exact science of it, but I know that women uh, physically have more water retention than men do. Yeah, like we don't. They don't. They just don't drop water the way guys do. Yeah, sweaty ass dudes. Girls always smell nice. That's just. <laughs> yeah. Well, so
2: but with Mackenzie Dern, um, I think when it's just, any way you slice it, like I think when you're eight pounds over like that, like and this was pretty much like universal from. All of the fighters that speculated on it speculated on it after the fact. That's just like gross negligence to me, because that's an entire weight. Way- so the next weight class above 115 would be 125. Mm-hmm. She weighed in at 123. Yeah, so she so,
1: barely made weight for the next. <laughs> yeah, <weight class. laughs> exactly.
2: So it's like it's crazy to me. Um, you know, you have the company giving you like this big push. They're putting all their fucking not to mention she's not like a journeyman like she comes from she's a world champion jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. uh, practitioner she comes from a background where she's clearly knows how to be disciplined and knows how to be pr- professional yeah, and no, um,
1: she's, like, super hot, too. So, like, yeah, they, well, they, it's, like they're definitely wanting her to be really successful. They do. Like, <laughs> and the, well, the rumor was... That's going to that sell a, tickets, a the, super hot Mackenzie Dern, like, being... <laughs> well, yeah,
2: and, the, of course. And the rumor mill online was she was training at the MMA lab in Arizona before with uh, John Crouch, who trains uh, Benson Henderson. Mm-hmm. And she was training over there, and he... Uh, no longer welcomed her to train there about a month ago. Really? And uh, the rumor was was that he was upset because she was spending a little too much time coming down to L.A. and partying. And uh, kind of the word on the street was that she has kind of issues with, uh, you know, she doesn't train enough. She likes to go party, and she's not Mm -hmm. very disciplined when it comes to her
1: pre-fight habits. Right, Um, right. Could see that makes sense. Yeah,
2: so I mean I don't know if we're just looking at it from an outsider's perspective, obviously not knowing the intricacies of her daily life and her training camp and all these things. Um, I don't know, uh, but she's had issues making weight before too. This isn't the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't remember specifics on the other ones, but
1: she does uh, look like she's having a lot of fun on her Instagram. It's a lot of like selfies at the beach. It's all it's, bikini shots and yeah, all bikini shots and and her just enjoying herself, so... Yeah,
2: and she... I guess she got fined. So the girl that she fought, Mackenzie Dern got... She got fine. The girl got 30% of her purse for her not making weight, and then the girl uh, that she fought got half of her win bonus, I think, of Mackenzie Dern's Mm -hmm. win bonus. I think it should have been all of it. I think they should have just given her the fucking win bonus. Yeah,
1: she probably should have gotten the whole win bonus. Like, I don't think that's uh, enough. Being... Cutting so much less weight, obviously, that's a huge fucking advantage for mm-hmm. you know, massive. Just being physically that that much less depleted and that much uh, that much physically larger, like I don't know. Uh,
2: well, think of the difference between the size of like a you know a featherweight and a lightweight, or you know what I mean. There's just there's a big difference there. So sure, it's. Yeah. it's it's fucking, it's just, it's not the same thing. So it's, it shouldn't, she should either just move up a weight class and forget cutting weight altogether or learn how to do it right, I guess. I don't right. know. I was you listening... can't just
1: fight smaller people than you. It just doesn't work that way. That's what weight classes are for.
2: Yeah. Well, I was listening to this interview with Chuck Liddell yesterday. He was on the MMA Hour and uh, he's going
1: to fight again, by the way. I, I heard He's coming about out that. of retirement. <laughs> He's doing the uh, the door Ortiz. Yeah, and
2: Oscar De La Hoya is yeah. gonna uh, put Oscar De La Hoya is crazy. So
1: they actually just they went with the uh, Golden Boy. They they're
2: they they're in talks with
1: Golden okay, Boy. Okay, I, I heard I heard that was uh, speculative that Golden Boy might be picking speculation, up fight. but but uh, uh, Chuck
2: confirmed that they are in. It seems like Golden Boy is the front runner. Uh, Boy is the front
1: runner for the Chuck Liddell, Tito, Tito Ortiz, Ortiz rivalry conclusion. And
2: here's the silly thing about it: I don't know, I don't think we talked about this already, but this is not a rivalry.
1: Yeah, we Chuck destroyed we, him
2: twice already. We've
1: definitely talked about this um, between each other. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, yeah. but yeah, this is not a rivalry.
2: A rivalry would require one guy gets a win, the other guy gets a win.
1: A rivalry requires two close, competitive yeah. fights,
2: maybe. Yeah, these are not competitive fights. Chuck completely when they were both in their prime, Chuck destroyed him. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if they were to fight at this point and Tito was to get a win, it wouldn't be anything other than Chuck just being old.
1: Yeah, right. There's no way to uh, there's no way to conclude this fight in any sort of meaningful way. It's really just a circus. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like Ken Shamrock fighting Kimbo Slice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that wasn't really like. Didn't mean anything. It, no. it was just a fight that they just were like, "Yeah, let's just do this." Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. And what?
2: What? Uh, anyways, what Chuck said on MMA hour, he was talking. Uh, Ariel was talking to him about the weight cutting issues, and um, Chuck said that he called Uriah Faber and talked to him about it, and he was like, "Dude, what's going on? Like, how come people?" Because it does seem like it happens more now than it used to back well, in the day.
1: I remember when um, Chuck Liddell was a coach on. Uh, Chuck Liddell was a coach on the Ultimate Fighter. And he had this one guy who was having a hard time making weight, and he was fucking pissed. He was, like, walking around, and he was just like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with all these fucking pussies. that can't fucking cut weight. I I fucking, I wrestled with guys in college that would cut their fucking balls off to get two <laughs> ounces.
2: Well, and that's yeah. what he was saying, basically. And he also said, too, he said that he thinks, um, I think he kind of alluded to the fact that maybe it's people just, letting their weight get too out of control to begin with because he, what he said was that you know he cut to 205 and he walks around at 225 that's his constant kind of mm-hmm. walk around weight and he said he would never allow himself to cut more than like i think he's i want to say nine pounds of water weight or something okay. like that so he had kind of like a limit on the amount of water weight he would let
1: himself cut so he, he would have a, a good strategy right for... he had a, a system in place that he didn't stray from yeah um, uh, what, what a lot of people don't really know about Chuck Liddell uh, because most of his TV things that he gets like most of the TV attention he gets is like him strung out on drugs or like that's most of his, his media appearances <laughs> That but like Chuck Liddell's a very intelligent guy he's yeah. a Cal Poly graduate in yeah. uh, San Luis Obispo which is a very nice school um, he is is very well articulated, and also the his his striking style. Though it looks very awkward, um, he he was very intelligent about angles and timing. Uh, Chuck's a Chuck's a, a powerhouse and a and a smart guy, but you know, I think he gets more known for his uh, passing out on on the couch talking about <laughs> the, the, the three hundred. Yeah,
2: like. Um. He, what was I gonna say right now? What was I thinking of? Uh, yeah, maybe some of that uh that Chuck Liddell uh greatness has been forgotten over time. He uh, you know what's funny? This one interesting that he said was that uh he wants to come back, get a couple wins, and he eventually wants to work his way back to a fight with John Jones. <laughs> That's what he said. Hey, you know what? Uh, but, you know, for him. But in defense of Chuck, for those of you, for the uh, collective possible uh, laughter out there, uh-huh. um, he did say, he, 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 he didn't necessarily say, as he elaborated on it more, he didn't necessarily say that he thought it was a realistic goal. He just said that he said basically that he needs to have thoughts like that in his head. To get motivated to fight mm-hmm. again, like he has to have something to work sure, towards. Sure, sure. So that make, makes sense yeah. from from that point of view.
1: You got to see that. Uh, you got to see that gold in your head to get motivated, just to do anything before now, that. Do
2: like. you think Dana White? Let's say Chuck Liddell comes back, knocks out Tito in the first, embarrasses him, goes on, maybe gets a fight with like Chael Sonnen, beats Chael. Let's say he does get a couple wins. Do you think Dana White would? And he, let's say he looks pretty good in those wins. Do you think mm. Dana White would consider signing him again for a one off fight with like a John Jones?
1: Mm. Probably not. Yeah, I don't I, think it, he would it either. Would take, it would. Chuck Liddell at this point in his career would have to do some pretty spectacular things. I think he would really have to have like a full blown run yeah. to, uh, to get enough realistic attention uh to get a fight with Jon Jones. He would have to come back to UFC. He would have to work his way back into UFC and then he would have to get some wins in the, in the UFC. UFC. And yeah. uh I think only then would he possibly even get a fight with Jon Jones. It would be a very rough road to the title for Chocolataro well, right and now. And
2: Jones is such an asshole, dude. You should have seen Jones's response to it was like such a he's such a savage asshole. Mm-hmm. He put like um he put something like Chuck's been trying to get a fight with me for years now, talking all this shit about me in the media. Um, you better, you better be, uh, you better be training those jaw muscles or testing that chin before you try to. Like he just like totally <laughs> called him out. Like he's always trying to clown on Chuck. Mm-hmm. But Chuck has made some comments where, you know, Chuck, I don't think it was anything bad that he said. He didn't, blat- he's never blatantly shit talked John Jones I or anything. That, I think they I just...
1: remember him like, like shortly after he retired, saying some stuff about how. Um... He could see some holes in John Jones' game that yeah, he all, thinks he could exploit. Very like logical. Yeah, things yeah. All, to all say. he said
2: was was that in his prime he feels like his style could beat Jones' style. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all he said. But Jones is, I think, he's a pretty emotional dude, and he takes that shit pretty Jones, personally. Jones don't want to hear that from nobody. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, if they do put that fight together, that would be pretty interesting. Um, I think the route to go for Chuck. Yeah, to get some fights over in Bellator, there's some there. There could be some interesting matchups for him there. I would I would be uh I would be interested in seeing him versus like you know like a guy like a Chael Sonnen or some of those dudes over there. Dude, I
1: just um, I, I before I say anything about that, I got to see what he looks like when he comes back. It's been a while. True. Uh, has he been training this whole time?
2: He says he has, and that's okay. kind of the word on the street. I remember actually,
1: even before. Because even even when he was fighting, he was still doing blow with his girlfriend and she, like, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. But you know, he. I remember he. He was like partying a lot while he was fighting, but then didn't he have like a health kick after he retired? Like he had this big thing where he was, like getting healthy with his new girlfriend or something and they yeah. had like, all this yeah. lifestyle change no, shit he going did. on it's, I
2: mean, that's, that was kind of the word on the street Is even before he made his announcement that he would be uh, making a potential comeback they uh, there was a lot of speculation of like just from other people who had seen him in the gym mm-hmm. and said that he looked good and he right. he's stayed in shape this whole time and... well
1: when he had that little one off comeback fight with uh, Rich Franklin you remember that one? yeah he, uh, before getting knocked out, he was fucking tuning yeah, he Franklin great. up, and Franklin was still sharp. Franklin was yeah. at a sharp point in his career. If you guys don't remember Rich Franklin, that guy was a motherfucker. That was a great yeah. fighter. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, kind of like Rich Franklin was one of the first all-around solid MMA fighters, not like a specialist in any mm-hmm. one area. Just like a good... Just good everywhere.
1: Yeah. He could knock people out. He could choke people. Yeah. Uh,
2: and, and he was one of the first smart fighters mm-hmm. who was calculated in his approach. Right. And actually did... He was one of the first true professionals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if he's one of the first, per se. Uh, that was pretty late in the... In the years of the UFC, but he was definitely one of the first that was his, like at that level. I would well, yeah, because like, he was
2: like he was he didn't he didn't he was a math teacher, so yeah. he didn't
1: have he started with like MMA. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't have
2: any like specialty. Right. All the guys from his era, for the most part, had some kind of specialty background that they yeah. came from, and then they kind of transitioned over. So
1: it was like basically what that movie Warrior was. Was referencing Yeah, exactly. the guy's the guy's a physics teacher. <laughs> so clearly, they're talking about Rich Franklin here. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, you never really know what you're gonna get out of a guy like Chuck Liddell when he makes his comeback. Uh, I'd love to see what I'd love to see what happens. I'm very interested in that, regardless of him being uh, in a good place or a bad place. Chuck Liddell always exciting to watch fight. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, let's let's bring him back. Let's see what happens. Yeah, he's not that, he's not even really that old either, is he? He's 48. what like forty eight. Forty eight. It's pretty old, sure. But like <laughs> you're like on second thought, it's pretty old, uh, but still like, eh, uh, not that bad.
2: Yeah, no, and uh, I have no interest in seeing Tito fight again unless it's to get beat up by Chuck.
1: Yeah, that is always acceptable. I'm always uh, happy to see Chuck beat up Tito. Have you
2: ever met like a legitimate? Die hard MMA fan Who's a fan of Tito Like I feel no, like I, no. I feel like Tito is the very
1: stupid Fans uh, no, favorite, uh, favorite fighter Tito Ortiz is, is is Like the Tito Ortiz fans are always These guys who are like oh yeah man You know I love watching UFC That Tito Ortiz is like oh, man. <laughs> He ground and pounds man he, Tito's just, gonna t- take him down and pound him Yeah man. he's gonna ground and pound him It's like ugh yeah, Tito. I know, yeah, it's yeah. always very casual fans who like don't know any other fighters' name. So <laughs> they've never seen yes. him fight before.
2: And then remember Tito had this weird phase, like it was probably like five or six years ago. It was way later on in his career. Where he tried to, like, start calling himself the people's champ. Yeah. He was like, I'm just coming out here giving the fans what they want to see, man. And, like, (laughs) you're like, what? No. Everybody hates you. Nobody's (laughs) ever liked you. The fans
1: don't want to see you. Yeah. That's what what you're giving the people is exactly what they don't want to
2: see. Yeah, Tito is, uh, and it's funny, too, because he would always try to, he was so, like, cowardly in avoiding the dangerous fights I mean there's just if you really look at it well that, that of, was
1: one of the things when, when I was first I think I was probably like 12 years old started really getting into MMA and stuff and that was like the thing when uh, Tito Ortiz was champion he did like what like four fights in four years or something like that yeah no like, he would never fight the and, dangerous fights. and he fought like he fought like Evan Tanner which Evan Tanner's a great fighter you know rest in peace Mm -hmm. Uh, legend Um, but he knocked out Evan Tanner with a slam Evan Tanner was like a foot shorter than him and (laughs) he was like uh, like probably like 30 pounds less than him like I don't even know what he was doing in there with him
2: yeah I don't know either and he uh, Tito remember he uh, I remember when we were like 14 or 13 we went over to uh, Nathan's house and he fought Randy Couture, or no, Ken Shamrock? Yeah, that was way back in the day. That was in 2002. I was just,
1: I was for sure that because I didn't really have the the knowledge that I have today. Like, I I was a Ken Shamrock fan because I knew him, <laughs> of course, from yeah. like the you know everybody early, was rooting uh, for Shamrock yeah, like, in that fight. I was just like, for sure, Shamrock's going to tear him up, and it was just like yeah. an awful fight. It was so it was disappointing. Like, yeah,
2: that was yeah, that was like pre knowledgeable MMA fan. Yeah, or you just assumed that Shamrock was gonna go in there yeah. and with no no not realizing plan. how bad Chim Cam- Ken Shamrock was.
1: Yeah, or how just destroyed he had become right. through the years. Like he, that's a real example of a guy who he abused steroids. <laughs> oh yeah, <Fuck. laughs> like yeah, like just to the point where he destroyed his body. My coach, um, my coach did some training with Lions Den. He told me some some funny stories like. Really? Yeah. Well, my coach is a Frank Shamrock uh, student. Oh, okay. So he 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 got kind of plugged into Lions Den for a while, and he just said like, every time you go training at Lions Den, all you really do like, it's like all these big dudes lifting weights, and then they try to kill you. <laughs> and he said like he sparred with Ken Shamrock with, uh, sparred with Ken Shamrock with MMA gloves on, and like said, it was like such a surreal moment like Ken Shamrock swinging on me here. And it's just awful, but he's really trying to hurt me. <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, "What a funny thing to, to remark on how bad this legend is that is striking." So, how
2: but, old was Ken Shamrock at this point I, when he got to spar with him?
1: I don't know. This, I mean, uh, this must have been in uh, like early mid two thousands. It was probably like around the time that uh, I, I don't really know. Well, like my coach wasn't really specific on the timeline when he was telling yeah, me the yeah. story, but. Um, it it must like I I assume it was probably relatively close to the time when um that fight took place the right. Tito and Ken Shamrock that would make sense anyway Ken Shamrock is making his return and everything is in there training
2: yeah
1: my coach is in there getting getting swung on by him just kind of like starstruck like my God this is a legend and it's really weird these things he's doing but he's he, really trying to hurt me
2: <laughs> was um. Was there any other crazy stories, or was it, was, uh... Uh,
1: from, with Lion's Den? Yeah. off the top of my head, I don't really remember any, any other, like, that was just really the one that, uh, stands out, but he would just kind of talk about how he would go train with, uh, those guys. He had the whole Lion's Den there, you know? Uh, it was, like, Vernon White, and, uh... Yeah. Vernon White, right? He was Lion's Den. Yeah, I think so. And, um... What are the other guys? Uh... Mikey Burnett, yeah. So like, Mikey Burnett was like super good. He just like didn't have a good career. Things just kind of didn't work out for him. Is he? Is
2: he he's still fighting? Or am I thinking of somebody else? Am I thinking of Josh Burnett? I
1: might be thinking Josh Burnett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's still, Josh Burnett is still fighting. Yes. Um, Not Josh Burnett. Like, there's isn't there the guy? Oh no, I'm
2: thinking of Josh Burkman. Oh, so. Josh Berkman? Yeah. Um, yeah, Lions Den, man. That's like a old school. Uh, so I
1: can... Really, really, the breakdown of everything he told me uh, about that team is just like, well, it's a bunch of guys trying to kill you. Like, if they can knock you out, they're going to. If they can, uh, if they can choke you out, they're going to. They're gonna fuck you up in there if they can get away with it.
2: So they had some uh, quite a. They had some dudes back in the day. Lions Den had Ken Shamrock, Guy Mesger, mm-hmm. Roy Nelson trained there at one point. Frank Shamrock, Maurice Fitz, Maurice Smith, uh, Vernon White.
1: Um, yeah, they had some dudes. Dude, uh, Lion's Den was, like, that was pretty intense for a while. Like, that that was a big, hard team.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, tryout. Listen to this shit. This is hilarious. Historically, the Lion's Den is known for its brutal tryouts. Marine boot camp is not fun. It's not pretty. That's because they're preparing you for war. I'm preparing my fighters for war, Shamrock said when discussing the tryout. Once accepted into the den, the members would be financially backed by Shamrock. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So Shamrock made the trial very difficult to ensure the fighter was totally committed to becoming a professional fighter. Uh, the trial consisted the following: 500 squats, 200 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, uh, 1.5 mile run repeated runs up and down bleacher steps bear crawls up steep hills lugging heavy barrels of water and sandbags (laughs) up steep hills the candidates who were still left at this point would then go on to do as many pull-ups as they could without stoppings candidates then went on to the actual lion's den facility for several hours of sparring
1: (laughs) several hours of sparring that sounds miserable yeah.
2: That's a very, uh, that's a very very pro wrestling style tryout. Because mm-hmm. they, did, they did the exact same thing. I think they called it like the uh, the factory mm-hmm. um, with uh, WCW back in the 90s. They would do almost the exact same thing. They would have you do a shitload of air squats, push-ups, and then whoever, if you broke, you had to leave. Mm-hmm. But they would try to weed out the mentally weak people right. from... Chill and actually talked about on his podcast how he did one of those WCW tryouts. And he said it came down to him and one other guy, and they actually made it all the way through. But he didn't end up. He decided he didn't want to be a pro wrestler. Right.
1: Uh, well, Ken Shamrock, that that kind of makes sense because he was one of the the early MMA fighters who who transitioned to um, professional pro wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. I think that was the first place I actually saw him on was one of the uh, the WWE oh, or yeah. WWF yeah, cause games. Yeah, because they put him
2: in some pretty big programs. He had programs <clears throat> with uh, actually The Rock, who's the biggest. Star on the planet mm-hmm. right now had his first big breakout storyline with Ken Shamrock, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they had him involved in a lot of stuff.
1: Right, right. Yeah, uh, again, I think we've I've mentioned this before, but uh, my my biggest awareness of of professional wrestling comes from the video games. I think it was one of like the early PS one video wrestling video games that had Ken Shamrock on it, mm-hmm. and I remember them doing something with uh, him and Dan Severn. Hey, yeah, I
2: mean, Dan Server. Yeah. Well, okay, because
1: so. they had their their big super fight in uh, in UFC. Yes, where for about thirty minutes they just kind of like potted each other and right. didn't really do they anything. Kind of
2: nullified. Yeah. Well, let Who's, me let me. It was go more pee, than more than nullified. Let, let me go pee real quick, and then I'll explain a very funny uh, pro wrestling MMA related thing.
1: All right. So, once again, it's just you and I. Matthew has. Left us to relieve himself, but <clears throat> he really is the expert on the uh, on the pro wrestling thing. So, honestly, when it comes down to it, for me, I I I, I couldn't even list off probably five professional wrestlers. With Let's see what I got here. So I know The Rock, I know, uh, I know Goldberg. There we go. Goldberg's a good one. Steve Austin, yeah, we know Steve Austin, his his uh, Stone Cold Stunner move that, you know. Um, Let me see, Kane and the Undertaker. There we go. I got five. I did it. Uh, I always like to think of uh, of the King from the movie Ready to Rumble, which was one of my classics growing up. I love the idea of them taking professional wrestling and then doing it for real. So that was like kind of what they did on the on the movie. Is like they just abandoned the, the script and just were like, all right, we're gonna fuck this guy up and ruin his whole career, send him back to the trailer park, and then he flips the script on them and does the whole thing back at him. At the end of the day, well, not the end of the day, but at the end of the movie. I think you guys should watch it. If you like, if you like professional wrestling, or even if you don't, it's a David Arquette movie, which uh, I know that doesn't really cause a lot of appeal. You probably, in fact, that most of you who are probably going to watch that once I mention the name David Arquette, you probably tuned out. So, are
2: you, are you talking about Ready to Rumble? God, you're you're great, Matt. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen Ready to Rumble, uh, don't watch it. So. Funny. Uh, no,
1: it's I love it. It's one I grew up on. It's terrible though. He's absolutely terrible. It is terrible.
2: Right. Um, funny, and I need to speaking. Of, I need to quit drinking tea before our podcast starts because almost every time I have to take a massive urination uh, about
1: midway through. It's true. Tea really um, runs runs through the old bladder. But let's so, hear the story, man.
2: Yeah. So a funny one is back in the late nineties, um, WWE. WWF at the time ran a program called the wwf brawl for all some of you might remember this it was a weird thing where they were legitimate tough man competitions and they would take actual current wwe superstars uh and have them participate in these and the whole reason they created it
1: the rumor is... Um, Do you mean tough man competition? Like, they put boxing gloves on all these yes. fat guys and had them fight yep. with each other? And they even, at the beginning of it... That's where Tank Abbott got his 600 knockouts from. Yes. And in the <laughs> beginning of it, they even allowed
2: takedowns. Um, so they had takedowns, but with boxing gloves. So Ooh. it was just completely stupid, poorly produced competition. And they had this guy named Dr. Death Steve Williams, who was a notorious tough guy backstage, and... He was a, a badass NCAA wrestler, and he was a just all around badass athlete, mm-hmm. and he had a notoriety, you know, reputation. And they figured they would create this, just and figuring he was going to win it, he was a shoe in, and it would kind of highlight what a badass he was, and they would be able to build his star off of that. Mm-hmm. It backfired on him uh, <laughs> because there was a guy in it named Bart Gunn, who nobody knew, who. Now, look, by UFC standards, this guy was not badass, but Mm. by WWF standards, the guy could hit like a fucking super hard.
1: And it was like a guy who actually knew how to fight stepping in with guys who knew g- how to like. Not
2: necessarily a guy who knew how to fight. I would describe it as somebody who just had a natural talent for fighting. Right. Like he just hit really fucking hard. Okay, so he was in and there with he, a guy who could fight. He was a guy who, if he had, uh, yeah, if he would have, uh, you know, maybe applied his talents to uh, to training, he, you know, he maybe he could have became a fighter or had a possible future in that. It's hard to say. Right. But. Um, what happened was once they started doing this, they realized pretty quick like that everybody was getting hurt doing it. Number one, so they would get hurt doing it because they weren't trained fighters, and um, you know they wouldn't be able to continue doing their pro wrestling commitments. So mm-hmm. it was a disaster in that regard. Um, Doctor Death did okay at first, and he ended up uh, he ended up winning his first fight, I think, but then he ended up getting knocked out by Bart Gunn in the championship of it. Um mm. so and they there was sounded actually,
1: like that was where it was going to go. <laughs> well, and the, the the
2: most prominent tough guys at the time were Dan Severn and uh, Ken Shamrock. Um, and they were uh, they they actually Ken Shamrock did not compete in the tournament, uh, but Severn, Dan Severn competed in it mm-hmm. and he beat he defeated The Godfather in the first round, The Godfather. The Godfather, he's a wrestler who used to come out with uh, the Ho Train. So he was a pimp character, Mm -hmm. and he had a a hoe train. He had like 20 hoes he would come out with.
1: Yeah, Um, when you were in the bathroom, I was uh, discussing with the audience here how uh, I don't really... I, I was trying to name five total professional wrestlers (laughs) i did and that that's how i got into uh ready to rumble was that's pretty much where i know them from
2: (laughs) well and yeah so a lot of dudes got injured and uh godfather dan severin did compete in it he beat the godfather ken shamrock was
1: he took his hoe train from him
2: yeah and well shamrock (laughs) did not want to shamrock opted not to compete in it i don't remember what the reason why was but cam shamrock ken shamrock said he didn't want to it's too tough
1: it's too tough tough, for the tough man competition
2: probably and um uh, so what ended up happening was after um you know bart gunn ends up winning the whole thing he ended up knocking out in the championship he knocked out uh bradshaw who's okay. a uh, kind of a former
1: of wwe star i've vaguely heard of bradshaw he, um, I, if I hear the name and i think i was either a wwe guy or he was a country singer i'm not really sure
2: yeah, and also Steve Blackman was in there, and Steve Blackman was also a notorious... Uh, there were some fairly tough guys in there, like Steve Blackman, who is a lifelong martial artist and is actually a, a black belt in multiple disciplines. Mm-hmm. He competed in the first round, and he did pretty well. He just took the guy down over and over again. Mm-hmm. And Mark Merrow was in there. He's a former WWE superstar who was a Golden Gloves champion, and he had a boxing background. Mm-hmm. So Steve Blackman defeated him.
1: Who was that? Which, which one uh, was that dude who, like... Fucking was really into kickboxing, and he fucking head kicked the uh, the the interviewer or something. Like, I think, I think, I think it was like a guy. It was it was that old story of them being like, "Isn't wrestling fake?" And he like head kicks him or something. Or no, oh know. no, you're
2: talking about that was uh that was ah oh, what the fuck is I remember movie? the guy who slapped him. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy, you're, okay. Like, that's that, the guy who
1: slapped him. Yeah, and he was like, he's like, that feel fake. That feels fake. <laughs> that, <laughs> that feel fake. I think that was uh, <laughs> I
2: think that was Magnum PI. I don't remember that dude's name, but yeah, no, that guy was... Well, because let people have to understand that back when that was filmed, wrestling, for those of you that don't understand it, wrestling was different back then. Mm-hmm. Or no, Magnum T.A., I'm sorry. His name was Magnum T.A. Wrestling was different back then because a lot of these guys, even though they weren't, you know, they weren't boxers or wrestlers or trained fighters, a lot of them number one, came from the background of being actual legitimate shoot wrestlers. So they were actual tough guys. Mm-hmm. They just they went out there and they did a work. And in the 80s and in the 70s, you could make a lot of money doing mm-hmm. professional wrestling. You couldn't, unless you were a big-time boxer like Muhammad Ali, you yeah. couldn't really make a lot of money fighting. So a lot of these tough guys went to professional wrestling. Right.
1: So and that, Yeah, that, that was like the, the outlet for people who were in uh, sport fighting things like people who are in societies of, of sport fighting professional wrestling was kind of the only outlet for it
2: yeah so and so when when people um so people have this understanding of you know they just automatically assume well it's scripted it's fake and these these guys all they don't really know how to fight well that doesn't mean that they're not like tough dudes you know a lot of these dudes from the 80s from that guy's era were pretty fucking rough burly yeah. guys who fucking and, and a
1: lot of them did know how to fight that yeah did, and and, you know, they
2: just, and they and they lived rough they not not even just the fact that they knew how to fight they were just rough dudes back then Mm-hmm. I mean these were guys who were on the road every day every year they had no family they were like modern day cowboys mm-hmm. and they just didn't give a shit about anything
1: Yeah they'd be on the road like 300 days a year or Exactly like that. and they yeah.
2: were drinking every day they were full of fucking juice steroids mm-hmm. like these were just aggressive fucking men Right Um so in that interview in particular when the dude asked him about it being fake he just like totally like bitch-slapped him and just yeah. Man, that was really, even actually, there's a famous video, Hulk Hogan did it one time to Richard Belzer on the, uh, the Richard Belzer show, mm-hmm. and he got sued for it, for millions of dollars. He went onto the Richard Belzer show, and Belzer for a long time had made, been making all these jokes about pro wrestling being fake. Mm-hmm. So, Richard Belzer had Hulk Hogan come on the show in the 80s, and he had him demonstrate a technique on him, and Hulk Hogan basically just got him in a guillotine. Because Hulk Hogan, even though he wasn't a real fighter, he still knew some techniques to right. actually put somebody out. So Hulk Hogan got him in a guillotine, and just like a total asshole, Hulk Hogan got him in this guillotine, and then once he passed out, Hulk Hogan just let him drop, and Richard Belzer just face it. Like, bust his face it. open. He I his I remember face remember that, yeah. He, Richard Belzer woke up from it completely disoriented. He ran off stage, and Hulk Hogan just put his arms up in the air and shrugged, and uh Richard Belzer seed WWE for a lot of money, and he won.
0: Because <laughs> that was, like, a
2: real thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so there is some interesting uh, interplay there between those two worlds where people... Because it's, like, still to this day, people get it... It's a little hazy, you know? And people will see somebody like a Brock Lesnar, and they don't really get where the... Mm-hmm. the you know, Brock Lesnar is obviously, in this day and age, is a rare exception to the rule. There's not a whole lot of dudes like that that can do both. You
1: did, I, did I ever tell you about... Um... About uh, Russell Brand, uh, how I drove his assistant one time. I don't think so. Well, you drove the Russell Brand's assistant. Yeah, his personal assistant. Oh, all right. And this, uh, be, this is good. Yeah, this is. Uh, so she is this very sweet little British girl, and she, like very mousy, unassuming little voice, and she's telling me about how she does. Uh, she she's telling me about how she does like personal assisting work for famous comedians. It's like her main thing, and she's basically like. The business side of everything and so i'm talking to her and we, we were in the car together for like almost an hour so it was a long ride and uh so i'm talking to her i'm like so what do, what else do you like what else, what are your other interests aside from like working with comedians and doing like business and phone calls for them? sweet little british girl she's like well it it might sound really strange but i'm really 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 into professional wrestling <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that was, like, her number one thing that she was into was professional wrestling, and it was fucking killing me. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It just reminded it reminded me of her because you were talking about all these stories, and that was basically what she was doing the whole time. Like, once we got into that, she just started telling me about, like, all the books she's read about professional wrestlers and all, like, the background life of them. It's like- well,
2: that's kind of what happens for the pro wrestling fan, is as you get older, you lose interest in the actual... wrestling itself you lose interest in the storylines and all that shit and you get more into the what's going on backstage right and it's a really really interesting world because it's it's very political i mean it's all this weird kind of backstage um manipulation and
1: it's it's a lot of uh it's a lot of of money and it's a lot of uh like pain and and uh and hard work everything mm. like you were talking about about them them being on the road all the time these guys can't have families or anything they've got concussions and injuries all the time they're all fucking they're they're damaging their bodies with all like the roids they're doing and everything so it's like yeah it's going to get political when things are really tense like that
2: yeah and it's well and it's evolved too because now it's like it's the way it's described now is the backstage environment has changed over the years so like a lot of the guys who are pro wrestlers now um the culture has changed where like they don't Supposedly, they don't even really like party anymore. Mm-hmm. They're they just like play video games backstage and shit like that. <laughs> and they're like guys who were geeks growing up, who were into pro wrestling and yeah. became pro wrestlers. Oh, that's like funny. it's a different. And you do still have a lot of those athlete, former athletes in there, but it used to be where it was all like former athletes, right? Who became wrestlers? It you was know? all these all these Failed, super buff maniacs, former yeah, former doing, bodybuilders yeah. or former football players
1: doing and, their fucking gymnastics, yeah.
2: Well while we're on the subject of uh celebrity uh, interactions, um um you've had a few uh celebrity interactions uh Ubering. What a couple, what are...
1: a couple, uh not not too many. Um I drove uh Juno Temple. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um I got to this uh this I was following my GPS. I ended up at a at this studio in uh kind of like Santa Monica area. Mm um and i see the name is juno on it and i pull into the driveway and i look and i see this like big poofy blonde head and i I open up my window i'm all juno and i look and it's juno temple and i was like (laughs) no shit (laughs) that's crazy And she gets in the car and like i had her in the car for like 45 minutes or something like that she was super cool she just talked about we we just like talked about music and stuff like she's Mm a Big like '70s rock fan, I guess. So you know, if you guys want to know something about Juno Temple, there you go. <laughs> um, mm. um, and now she's on that that movie coming out, um, that unsane movie that really looks like oh, that's right, yeah, a, look really looks like it was filmed on an iPhone. And uh, she does I, a lot of those like psychological thrillers, yeah. and it's you- uh, Steven Soderbergh yeah Uh, which is like a well-known director uh but nobody else looks famous or even good at acting on this movie it's really weird like they they it's almost like they did an intentional like garage level film did you did you see that other movie she did god what was that called i'm trying to find
2: it right now she did it it had michael Sarah in it and michael Sarah played this like creepy little weird dude uh magic magic Magic, magic. Uh, yeah, I never saw it, but I heard about that movie. I that's a didn't that's, meaning to watch that it. that movie's a total. I don't know how I feel about it. It's just I remember it being really strange, a total mind fuck. Yeah, I think that was um, the whole
1: thing with it. Is like it's a super fucking weird movie. I never watched yes, it. But very I,
2: strange. You know. She gets naked in it, so if
1: you guys want to see her naked, check it out. She also gets naked multiple times on Killer Joe. Killer Joe, if you'd like yeah. to see her naked. Watch Killer Joe. Killer Joe is a fucking weird movie. The the reason why we put Killer Joe on <laughs> was because uh, in in the comments under the movie someone had written I'll never look at a chicken wing the same way again <laughs> what did you how did you feel about killer joe I didn't love it I didn't hate it it was just kind of like super weird it was It's like, kind of like, worth yeah. watching just yeah. to say you watched it Right it's one of those it's like a cult piece it's very yeah. um it's an experience watching that movie Matt McConaughey and is great in it yeah.
2: he's like perfectly creepy charming
1: Right he is very he has that that Matthew McConaughey charm but it's like the whole time. It's like, God, he's a really bad guy. He's <laughs> horrible. Like the worst guy. It's kind
2: of like, you know what I would compare for those of you that have not seen Killer Joe? Uh, it's kind of like Bad Lieutenant. Okay. You've seen bad yeah. Lieutenant. Yeah.
1: You know, it's kind of that similar dark. It's got that gritty, gross feel to it that makes yeah. you a little uncomfortable the characters are pretty fucked up and even the characters that you're supposed to sympathize with kind of bring all the problems on themselves. Right? Yeah. Like, everybody, it's
2: just got that scummy kind of, Yeah. Ugh, you feel yeah. dirty after watching it. Yeah.
1: I was just going to say, you're going to need a shower after you watch a uh, killer Joe. Um, and it ends on a really weird note too. The thing is it ends on this very like Coen brothers esque kind of like, Almost like it's in the middle of a scene, and the movie mm-hmm. just ends. And so, well, nothing really got resolved here. We just kind of are are stopping at this point. Yeah. But also, it didn't really seem like it had anywhere else to go at that point, either. No,
2: I was going to say, I don't think Killer Joe had anything more to say.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really <laughs> like that. It was a statement, and then it was over. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well... Um, I got to go to work early today, guys. So. And, and my throat is closing up. I have no idea what's going on with me, but I think this is about all the time I had. I think that was a really good spot to end on, though. Killer Joe, you guys, check it out yeah. if you uh, feel a little too happy about life. <laughs> if you want to ruin, guaranteed way to ruin your mood, Yeah, watch Killer Joe. If you feel like you need to have some bad dreams tonight, watch Killer Joe. Mm hmm. All right. Thanks for joining us on the Back and Bone Show. I'm Keith the Bone Catron. You can find me at BoneCatron on Instagram and Facebook.com slash BoneCatron. ML underscore intrinsic
2: resistance for all my fitness-related materials. Matt reviews media for any of my movie, graphic novel, TV series, or podcast reviews.
1: Thanks again for joining us, guys. <laughs>